Is this thing on? Are you ready, Matt? You're listening to Box Office Avengers with Matt Diaz and Ernesto Santos. Good evening, folks. We have a wonderful evening's entertainment lined up for you. We know each other. He's a friend from work. Welcome back, everyone. We're back, Matt. Another episode of Box Office Pinders. And I know we say it every time we have a guest, but we have an extra special guest this week. Who's with us this week? Uh, it's our good friend, our long good friend, Nick DiLorenzo. How are you doing today, sir? I am great. Even better now that I'm on, finally, on your podcast. <laughs> finally. Finally. <laughs> Before I could justify, well, they're only having in-person guests, and then you went virtual, and then months went by, and then look, you finally got on. Yeah, just waiting by the microphone. Yes, <laughs> I, I've been in this position for six months straight. Just waiting for the call. <laughs> well, Nick, uh, we are happy you were standing by this entire time, and happy that you are finally joining us. On the show, we've been wanting to have. I mean, I think we planned this like almost two months ago. I felt like we, we I've were been about counting this. the minutes. Yeah, <laughs> it's been a long time coming. It's been a long time. Yes. Uh, for this week, uh, we're going to talk about Nick and his career. But before we do that, we got some news. We got some what you're watching and our spoiler review of the week. Uh, the movie that just came out from the time of us, our recording just came out yesterday on Netflix. Is Aaron Sorkin's uh, the Trial of the Chicago 7. So I'll be looking forward to hearing all of you guys' opinions on the matter once we get there. Um, but first, excuse me, we're going to talk about some news. And uh, first thing to talk about is uh, Disney Pixar Soul is officially skipping theaters, Ernesto. I know we were it's been teased for a very long time. Uh, but Disney made the call that uh, Soul is skipping theaters. It's coming exclusively to Disney Plus, and not only is it coming to Disney Plus, but it's coming on Christmas Day. So they want so all the the, all, the whole family's already at the house. So they want to make sure that when you find your movie, it's going to be Soul on Disney Plus. It was supposed to be released uh, in th- it was supposed to be released in theaters on Thanksgiving. They pushed it back by a month and then put it onto the streaming service. So Ernesto, are you surprised by this at all? No, because you you called this weeks ago. I was I was still holding hopes that it was going to be in the theaters, but you called it right after the success of Mulan. You're like, watch, they're going to put Soul on um, Disney Plus. You're right, but it's okay. not it's not going to be Disney Plus premiere, right? Or right. is it? Yes. Or it is. No, it's not. So yeah, to to, to my surprise, because I thought it was going to be a premiere access, which they did with Mulan, which you pay $30 in addition to your Disney Plus subscription. But this is going to be, you know, available to all Disney Plus subscribers, no extra cost needed for that. So that that was a big move for them not to do that. Um, Nick, have you been taking advantage of any of the at-home like, uh, like you know, premium on demand, premium on demand stuff like that. Have you taken advantage of any of that? No, I've been holding out hope that Black Widow was going to go on. So that was, 
that was that was the one that I would I would definitely justify to myself like oh that's that's the one I'll I'll spring for. Yeah, but that, no, it's, it's so far there just hasn't been any that have come out. You're talking like the premium tier, right, where you pay yeah, extra. Yeah. 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 yeah or, no, I haven't done that yet. Yeah, you know, or like uh, I know like if you were to go in any like uh, digital. Uh, streaming i'm sorry digital like video on demand platforms like voodoo or fandango now uh they you know you could have or google play you could have rented uh the movie for like 30 or 20 bucks i know the first movie that was trolls so like you can rent it for 20 bucks you have it for 48 hours uh and then after that it was just been a string of movies that's been hitting that format so instead of theaters they were just like you pay 20 bucks here and you can watch it at home so, but none of, none of that for you. Have you? And when when the pandemic started, they did. Um, I'm completely blanking on the name, but Pixar's film before Soul. Oh yes, it was Onward. Yeah, it was. Yes, uh, and they put Onward. that on just included within the streaming service, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. They they were on. Uh, it was in theaters for two weeks, and then uh, you know with the pandemic starting, a lot of uncertainty was happening, and then. I would say roughly about a month after that, sometime in maybe April or maybe early May, uh, they put it on Disney Plus for everyone to watch. Yeah, I'm going to be interested to see how many kind of follow suit because Soul was, I think, originally the summer, right? That movie yes. was supposed to come yeah. out. Yeah. Then it got pushed back to the. And these movies keep getting pushed back, especially the bigger ones that I know they're kind of holding out for mm-hmm. because that really brings in crowds. But I wonder. You know, it'll be interesting to see how long they're going to just keep pushing it back versus like, OK, we just need to release this thing. Yeah. And and that's that's the big question. I know uh, Disney stockholders were like, we need to put Disney, we need to put Black Widow on Disney Plus and 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 maybe higher ups of, of Disney were like, no, we're going to hold out on this. But I feel like the most interesting thing out of all of this, since basically we kind of understand how the rest of 2020 is going to go, my big like question mark is how 2021 is going to go. If we're still yeah. in the same predicament, and the, you can't delay these movies again. You can't keep pushing them back and back. So you're going to have to come up with an alternative. And if the theater is not the option, then what do you do from there? If you keep pushing them back, they're all going to become retro and dated. All the references are going to—it's going to be yes. so weird. You're going to have a brand new movie, and they're talking about like, oh, I remember when TikTok was big. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so it's—it's it's weird to see that. Uh, basically, all the big big movies eventually just got a one-year delay. Like you know, they try to push them back like in in the um, in the winter time or in the fall, and then ultimately they're like, all right, we'll just give them the same release date just a year later. Um, you would so, almost hope that you would almost hope that they can take into account that they're not going to make the same revenue as they were pre-COVID as they would now. Like it's no matter what comes out, it's not going to be the same. I guess like try to break even, at least hope try to break even, like you know, or at least make a little profit. But you know, it just seems like they're trying to find that it's like a chess piece. Where where are we going to get the most bang for our buck if we release on what date? Right. You know? Yeah. And, and Ernesto, you know, we were talking about this Tenet and Mulan were the guinea pigs in their own right of like maybe trying to move forward with it. And it wasn't as profitable for both uh, Disney and Warner Brothers on their movies to see what they wanted. So like we're they're just going to keep trying on something else. Um, so with with everything that we've had on here. Uh, you know, time will tell on what they do next. But I will say, I'm very excited to see Soul, though. So am I. Yeah, that Jamie Foxx is incredible. Uh, I, th- I believe it's uh, uh, the the director escapes me, but I think he's done Finding Nemo. Um, so I, you know, you can't go wrong with that that uh, 
you know, uh, you can't go wrong with the two of them coming back together and, you know, another Pixar movie in general. It's probably going to make you cry. I'm pretty sure you're going to be, you know, get the, get the tissues ready. It's directed by Pete Doc, Pete Doctor, and I think he did uh, up. Kemp Powers. Yeah, Pete Doctor is a very popular name in. I know the, he did Monsters Inc. I know yes. that's one of his. Yeah. He he he's done. He's and directed possibly Monsters. Possibly Coco Inc. too, I think. Maybe. He's directed um, Inside Out, Up, and Monsters Inc. Those are his three movies. He's helped. Oh, that's what I was thinking of Inside Out. Yep. Yeah. Uh, he's directed. He's helped write some other um, Pixar films, but like the ones that he's has his ties in for directing were those three. So like those are instant hits in my book yeah. for like top tier Pixar films. So yes, I feel like Soul we is going to be up there. We were just talking about up uh, the other day, Matt. Remember? Like, great. So that means I'm going to cry in, like, the first five minutes of this movie. <laughs> Probably. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> well, it's so like again, fi- finally Pixar's naming the movie after what the movie's already caused them to stir. You know? It's like everyone's always like, oh, my soul. And it's like, all right, great. We're going after that now. Just raw. We're cutting right to the chase. Yeah, we are. Left. <laughs> the next movie's just going to be called Balling. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so make sure you have like two two boxes of tissues nearby because you're probably <laughs> gonna need it, and, and for Christmas Day no less. Like, oh my God, it's so sad. Um, but uh, but yeah, so Soul coming Disney Plus Christmas Day. I can't wait for it. Another movie that's coming into the streaming service, the officially skipping uh, the theaters, is Eddie Murphy's long-awaited sequel, Coming to America. Like I said, also skipping theaters, heading to Amazon Prime. Uh, it's currently owned by Paramount Pictures. They're working on a deal with Amazon. For about $125 million, they are trying to sketch that deal with. So this is also an interesting move that a lot of studios have been doing. They've basically just been selling off their movies to people who can afford it. And so Paramount Pictures is like, all right, we're guaranteed $125 million for this movie. Anything else that Amazon has, that's on them. But we, this is guaranteed money. Unlike you know all the other ones that are pushing back or questionable releases, they don't know what they're going to get in return. But this right. is like a for sure thing. And so this movie is expected to come out December 18th. I know, Ernesto, you saw the first one. You really love it. Yeah, man. It's a, I, at least in my eyes, it's a classic. It's like one of the movies I grew up with. You know, you see like to me, that's like one of the first times I saw Samuel L. Jackson because he plays one of the crazy guys who comes into the store um arsenio hall oh it's just it's a great movie i i can't believe you haven't seen it matt sorry i I, this is a good excuse for me to watch it now because it's coming out this is gonna a pet peeve of mine and not not to a great extent because ultimately it doesn't matter but um (laughs) i don't like movie titles that have the number like a number in the middle of the title You know what I, I mean? Like, you. like yeah. I, I've never seen any of the Fast and Furious movies, but I definitely <laughs> never will now. Fast Nine. <laughs> I, I can't. I just. I don't. I'm okay with it being like movie title number, but when you're trying to play with like, because they use the the number two, right, in the title. Yeah, but yes, but do. I think yeah. the the original one I might be like that. I could be wrong. And that one I, I might be able to check like... out, but uh, yeah. the sequel I. Yeah, they've got that number in the middle. Uh, yes, or, but Nick, you're right. The Coming to America, the first one is T-O, and then oh, the sequel yeah. is the same thing, just with the number two in the middle. Yep, yes. can't stand it. I <laughs> can't mm. stand it. I think uh, uh, Fast and Furious is very guilty of doing that a lot, if yeah, I'm not Yeah, I think they might have forgotten which ones were letters <laughs> and which ones were numbers. <laughs> because <laughs> you have Too Fast, Too Furious with the number. Uh, I think 
Fast Five was definitely the title. Then you have uh, Furious Six. No, no, I'm sorry. It's Furious Seven. Or was it? I don't, now you got you know to I, I know. You know. Colon. I missed the colon. Indiana Jones, colon, Last Crusade. That's what, you know, it's just nice to have, like, a nice, simple, it's aesthetically pleasing. I mean, he's not they, wrong. They, they don't forget the play on words, the fate of the furious. That was that was fast eight. Yeah. Fate. Yeah. The fate it was of, S8. Fate. Yes. The fate of the furious. <laughs> <laughs> about family and, and then they're like why are we getting any awards <laughs> <laughs> you know movies now, are about family <laughs> well, learn to spell yeah <laughs> all right uh, but yeah I, this is a good excuse for me to watch uh, uh eddie murphy's uh sequel uh i because i've never seen it so I, i'm definitely going to be looking forward to that um Ernesto, we, uh, last week we talked about uh, Jamie Foxx coming to Spider-Man. And that was a big shock because I was not expecting that coming. Like, what the hell is going on with those movies now? You got Jamie Foxx from Mads Electro. And then, uh, so that was the news for last week. This week, they dropped another bombshell to add more excitement to the movie. They announced that uh, Robbie Downey, and I'm so, wow, I just got ahead of myself. <laughs> uh, they, they announced that uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, was coming back to play Doctor Strange. He's going to be featured in the movie. It said that he's going to be playing a mentor role, just as Robbie Downey Jr. did in Spider-Man Homecoming. So, like, yeah, you know, like, again, I said this last week, Ernesto, but, you know, Doctor Strange deals with the multiverse. And so if we're not setting up three Spider-Mans to be in one movie, I don't, they're giving us all the clues that it's going to happen. And I really think I think that Electro Jeremy Fox news is related to the Andrew Garfield news. Like obviously they're gonna introduce the multiverse and he's there maybe he comes through the portal with him and he just doesn't have the blue eyes. Or maybe <laughs> or maybe this is it. We'll get this universe's um Electro and then yeah. only Andrew Garfield will come through. Maybe. Because uh, I know they were very, I know they were very adamant about not making Jamie Foxx like blue like he was in the Amazing Spider-Man two. Yeah, they definitely want to have a clear distinction between the two electros that they're planning on doing. Yeah, exactly. Um, Nick, I last time I spoke to you, I'm not sure you weren't the. I could be wrong, but when I remember, you weren't the big Marvel, biggest Marvel fan. Is that is that false? That is completely false. I, okay. Yeah, I love them all. I watch them all. I it's really yeah. I'm glad to know we're so close. Uh, really cared to remember. Yeah, all those fond memories of us, long chats, long talks, one about, in one ear, out the other. Yeah, great. About this one thing that we actually relate on. I thought it was a really big bonding moment for the two of us. But. Uh, well, now that's so welcome. I know, right now it feels as I have like this Thor Ragnarok poster just chilling right behind me. Which I remember because we were friends. <laughs> and he's been to your apartment. Yeah, yeah. I I, re- I remember the walls covered with the posters and the I yeah. Yeah. And I also I knew you were into Marvel, so you know I thought well we have this in common, and we both mutually know that. Yes, now we have always mutually known that, yeah, but yeah. specifically at this moment, we definitely know that for sure at this moment. I'm, I'm really excited for the next Spider-Man movie. I thought, I definitely thought after Endgame, I'm like, okay, it's probably going to 
slow down a little bit and it right. might, you know be a little and i was kind of curious as to what they were going to try and do to bring people back in because they're essentially just to like the peak of all peaks um and then when the news came out that they might be doing the multiverse uh kind of option and bringing in the others i thought that was super cool yeah i think that would be really neat i i'm really into that idea i think that would be really cool i'm a little like if they're bringing in doctor strange for that purpose i'm all in i think that's super cool i would be a little weary on the idea of if because I think I read something similar where they were bringing him in as a mentor role, kind of like how Tony Stark was before, which I feel like they've kind of been putting Spider-Man a little bit on the sidelines. And I get that, like, I could understand in the beginning when they're like, well, he's a kid and he needs to kind of grow. But I am i don't want them to keep doing that forever, though. Like, I don't want them right. to consistently have to have him have, like, this big older brother. Because eventually I would love to just see him swinging in the city, kind of like um, the some of the biggest things I liked about the amazing Spider-Man movies was it was just Spider-Man kind of doing his thing in the heart of the city. Right. Mm -hmm. Which so far the MCU hasn't had that version of Spider-Man. And I, and I think it's cool that they're building up to that, but, um, but if it is for the multiverse, I think it's really neat. I think it's a clever way to bring in Dr. Strange and, you know, I'm a sucker for crossovers. I love when all the different, you know, Marvel characters are interacting. So I think that's cool. So yeah, I'm excited. I hope, I hope it comes to fruition. And I think WandaVision is supposed to end – Doctor Strange is supposed to – like the end of the WandaVision show is supposed to leak into Doctor Strange. So maybe – I think he makes an appearance at the end of that series whenever that decides be, to That's out. the one I'm most excited for as far as the, the, the shows because I never watched any of the, the Netflix shows mm -hmm. that were like I guess tied in. But um, I, I'm really excited I, because it's, it's Loki and then – the Winter Soldier, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and then WandaVision are like the first three, right, that are coming out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, around, around the same. Yeah, that, that, yes, yes, you're right. Yeah, um, WandaVision's the one I'm most excited for. Yes, yeah, yeah. so he, here's my theory with the whole situation. I think because before COVID, they had a specific timeline. So you had Falcon and Winter Soldier, then you're going to have WandaVision, and then later, you know, you had other Disney plus Marvel shows. And then as far as the movie's concerned, we would have seen Black Widow already. We would have, you know, we would have had the Eternals, then Shang-Chi, and then Doctor Strange. And then eventually we would have gotten Spider-Man 3. Now, I, I don't, here's my theory. I don't think Doctor Strange was originally supposed to be in Spider-Man 3. I don't think he was supposed to because Doctor Strange, uh, multi, uh, Multiverse of Madness was supposed to come out before Spider-Man 3. But now uh, Spider-Man 3 is coming out before Doctor oh, Strange. Oh, so you think they have to kind of restructure story a little bit. I think so, yes. So oh, that's with, interesting. With that, maybe they had the idea. I'm like, well, since we're already restructuring some story, maybe we can try to incorporate the multiverse or maybe kick it off in – uh, in Spider-Man 3, because right now with the current release schedule, uh, like to what Ernesto was saying, WandaVision is technically supposed to start like the multiverse stuff. And so however yeah. WandaVision ends, it's going to be a catalyst to involving Doctor Strange in his movie. But now, since there is a delay on his movie and it looks like Spider-Man 3 is going to be coming out before his movie, now we're going to get... Doc, like the events of WandaVision maybe spill into Spider-Man 3 involving Doctor Strange and the rest of the story taking place. Which which actually makes a lot of sense because from what I understand, WandaVision is supposed to – the root of the storyline is supposed to take place of uh, 
the House of M comic event, which is where um, – and I know I'm messing up some of the details, but one, um, she, like, alters everybody's realities. She does, yeah. So, and, and, and then this series, um, Vision, is obviously he's alive. So I think that has to play – a lot into it because of what goes down at Infinity War and Endgame. So probably what Doctor Strange, she probably messes something up and maybe Doctor Strange has to fix it and then that leads into his, because that doesn't lead into his series, that leads into his film and this is the first yeah. time they're doing that the series is the re- leading directly into one of the major films. Correct, yeah. So it's it's a lot of fun things that marvel has been doing um nick i will i will i kind of want to bring back something that you said a little bit earlier you said that with endgame we didn't know what they were going to do next and like how they were going to like try to up themselves do you feel that because there was the delay on the next marvel content that we have that you were able to like kind of appreciate the ending of endgame and like all right so now whatever the next thing is there's like there's, there's a lot of time in between endgame I, well, I guess technically Spider-Man Far From Home was the last Marvel thing we had. So that was back in July. So the next movie we would have re- received would would have been next summer. But now we're not getting into WandaVision technically. So do you think that that plays a good role of like kind of appreciating what we've had before and, and between what's next to come? Well, I take offense to that. I feel like you're implying I wasn't appreciative the whole time. No, no, uh, no. I wasn't. That was not. That's not what I was implying. But no, I, yeah, I, 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 yeah. I think I, I think I get what you mean. Uh, it's uh, yeah. I'm I'm also really impatient though, and I want it all. I would if they just told me like, hey, we're just gonna. It looks like things aren't gonna get better for a while. We're releasing all the movies we have right now. I'd be fine with it. Oh, okay. um, probably it's in the same way that I would approach like. I know ultimately it's probably not good for me, but there's this addictive part of my brain that would really like everything immediately uh but i i think it's been i have to say i'm very grateful that the break happened after endgame because it would have been torturous if this happened in between infinity war and and also not to sound insensitive like there's other bigger things in the world going on but if we're just talking about the mcu (laughs) movies correct um (laughs) I, i think it was a great place to break off so you do have some time to just really appreciate kind of what had just happened, that whole string of movies. And then now it's kind of resetting into a different, because uh, the last one was Far From Home that came yeah. out. Mm-hmm. And which is funny because I keep forgetting that came out after. And in my yeah, mind, same. it's like Endgame happened. That's it. Yeah, it was a pinnacle. Yeah. It's the, the, the biggest we're ever going to get. Right, exactly. And I thought but, they were setting up, uh, and again, I haven't, I, I'm not a, a comic reader so i don't really i get i get these off of the interpretations of articles that are that do read the comics um but secret wars was what everyone was thinking they were building up to right because of the with like the scrolls and they pop up in far from home mm. and so i wonder if because now i didn't even think about what you were saying matt until you brought it up but that's a really good point that they might be changing and shifting directions now based off of the changing release schedule and trying to maybe restructure the arc that they might have had planned Mm-hmm. Well, this isn't the first time they did that because originally they, from from what I remember, they weren't going to do Civil War, but it wasn't until the success of Batman versus Superman that they changed that they shifted. Right? Oh, okay. I I thought I remember I thought I remember reading something. There was some sort of relation like that of them having maybe not shifting, but they they added that in there. Yeah, I I think it was a little bit of Batman v Superman was happening. 
Maybe and, that's what it was. Because they came out around the same time. They did. It was the same year. So they were like, oh, okay. Oh, that's so. right. The third Captain America movie had a different name at first. I, yeah, I think they had a whole different agenda. And yeah. then they were like, as the story was progressing, they were like, all right, I think we need to do the Civil War timeline. And I think it solidified when they got Robbie Downey Jr. to be in the movie. Because I don't think he was originally going to be. And then he was. they were able to work out a contract where he was in it. And then that was also the same time where uh, Marvel was talking with uh, Sony for Spider-Man. And then they were able to get Spider-Man in the movie. So then they were just like, okay, we're just going to bottle up a lot of things in here. And fortunately for Marvel, they did it in a very clean way. Um, But I did – I remember reading that uh, Black Panther had – I believe had a bigger role in the film. But when they introduced Spider-Man, they had to kick back a little bit so they can have room for his story or else we would have like a a three-and-a-half-hour movie. If anything, it just shows their adaptability and flexibility to be able to shift gears when they need to. And look how well having Civil War worked. Look how well yeah. that worked out for their storyline. That's one of yeah. the peaks of, of, the, of the phase, of that phase, I guess I should say. Let's hope they keep it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, for, honestly and truly, yeah. Like, I would uh, love to see it, the, all, like, all the Spider-Man. All the Spider-Men? Yeah, men, all the yeah. Spider-Men? Spider-Man. All Spider-Mans? I don't Spider-Man. know. And all of the different versions of Spider-Man together, I think, would be yeah. uh, really exciting and super fun to watch. Especially since they did it so well in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. So we know that people will appreciate and like have uh, and, and enjoy watching multiple spider uh, different versions of Spider-Man on one screen. Because and, I imagine that had to have been a conversation for sure. Like the hesitation of like, oh, do audiences, will they get it? Will they appreciate, like, you know, exactly. will this just be annoying or, yeah. So I think. For sure, I'm, I'm, if if it wasn't possible before, it's at least more possible now that they'll you know make a live action. Version. Exactly, and I, I'm also hearing rumblings of Miles Morales making an appearance as well. So, I mean, awesome. who knows what they're going to do? I've also heard another rumor, and I, I feel like we're just you know going down this Marvel train, but we're on it anyway. Um, I've heard <laughs> another rumor because I think we all mutually like it, right? Yes, yes. We <laughs> <do>. <laughs> I think. Nick, I think didn't you mention you liked Marvel? I think you did. <laughs> well, look at that big red hang-up button. What's that? <laughs> um, yes, I've heard that this might be uh, Tom Holland's last movie with Marvel because of the contracts and stuff like that. Like because there was we had a scare that he wasn't with Marvel anymore and then now he is again and they signed on for like to do one more movie and and, a, and an appearance. So I don't know if that's been reworked because of because of the pandemic, but I'm another kind of what the rumors are going about that maybe that with the multiverse happening, they might bring in all the different versions of Spider-Man. Tom Holland might leave the franchise but then within all the different multiverses we might get miles morales and oh. he is the version of spider-man that moves forward within the mcu and sony spider-man technically can do their own stuff with maybe venom wow that would actually man why are you running sony Jeez, that's <laughs> genius that's awesome um, yeah that's that's really smart i would i would be ashamed to see yeah, well, that would be oh, – oh, wow, now I'm just incredibly curious to see how that actually plays out because if it's anything uh, other than what you just said, I think I'll be disappointed now. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. like, Thanks Where's that. Miles Morales? <laughs> nope. Walking out that of the would, That would be a really clever way of having 
that character go out and bringing new ones that the MCU just has full control over maybe. So yeah, I, I mean, again, these are just rumors I'm reading online. This, I mean, even ultimately opening up the multiverse. Reading your own blog doesn't count, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you write it. Look, yeah. it's on the internet. Must it's on the internet. internet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, written by Matt Diaz must be another guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Same name, what a coincidence. Um, but, but yeah, there is, uh, I mean, I've been reading a couple things about that, but I, I do, I think that'll be an interesting way to kind of keep things fresh. And also, like, you know, kind of get themselves out of a hole that maybe Sony and Marvel kind of put themselves into. Uh, but also opens the door to have them come back. If they kind of write another contract for another movie, they're like, oh, just open up the multiverse and bring back Holland and then have him pop out again. So, like, it, it's interesting to see what they do. And with the new phase of Marvel coming about, I can't wait to see what happens next. I'm not I w- I'm not too excited for Black Widow from what I've seen, but I'm always excited for a new Marvel movie. So it's been too long is, is you know, kind of what I'm saying. And with WandaVision coming out most likely in December, uh, I can't wait to start that. Because it, it almost I feels feel like, like multi- that. Oh, no, go ahead. Oh, no, sorry. You go ahead. Uh, no, I was going to say that I feel like Black Widow should have came out like when Far From Home came out because it's more of an spoiler alert. It's more of an epilogue to that whole series of with Thanos. Right, exactly. Yeah, I think I feel like a, I feel like a multiverse is a producer's dream, but a writer's nightmare almost for like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> continuity's sake. But I feel like for a producer, it's like, oh, we don't have that guy under contract. Oh, he's in a different universe. It's fine. <laughs> Bring in somebody else. But I feel like for a writer, it's like, hold on, wait a second. This is yeah. gotta, this is gotta just put you yarn on a wall. Yeah. Okay. Where, where's, where's Spider-Man hanging? At? Which one are yeah, we using yeah. now? <laughs> yeah. No, that's the wrong universe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Things could be getting very complicated, but I'm here for it. I'm all for it. Yeah. Yes. I'm all for it. Uh, and the last bit of news that we have for you guys this week that Showtime made a very uh, unexpected announcement this week that they're reviving their popular show Dexter for a limited series, uh, 10 episode limited series. They're bringing back Michael C. Hall into the mix as he's returning as the lead and is expected to be released sometime in fall of 2021. Now, I've never seen Dexter. Ernesto, have you? Yeah, well, I've watched the whole series. I'd like I. Like I watched it, like they they dropped the first couple of seasons on Netflix, and then it got to a point to where I caught up to where the show was current, and then I stayed with it until it went off the air. Like it got to the point where I was appointment viewing every year when it was coming out. Um, okay. So I was all with it, and I was highly disappointed on how the series ended. Like it just like the series was great, and then just the last season, season and a half, just kind of fell off for me. Like. It was like the story just went in weird directions, like, and then the ending was kind of weird and not out of left field. Um, so I'm I'm very interested to see what they're gonna do when they come back. But Michael C. Hall is great. I don't know if you've ever seen him in anything else, but just his demeanor when he's on screen and just like the way that he talks, he he remind like not the sound of his voice, but the way he talks reminds me of um, uh, who's the guy who played Ultron. Who's on the Who's the oh, main lead uh, on the blacklist? James Spader. Uh, James Spader. Um, James Spader. You know that very prominent voice, like very domineering, just very commanding. Like he's he to that's like Michael C. Hall and um, damn James, it, Spader. Guys, James Spader. They were, those are the two that stick out in my mind. Okay, uh, uh, Nick, have you ever watched the show? I have not. Okay. No. So no. But I've no heard excitement. great things. Which I feel like is my catchphrase 
when any, <laughs> I just I feel like I just haven't seen a ton of stuff, but um, I I've heard it's great, so that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I Ernesto, I, that's not the first time I've heard that the ending was horrible. I've heard a lot of people say that Dexter's great, except for that last season. That was a train wreck. Is it a continuation? That's is a good it, question. I would uh, assume that it is. That it is. I mean, if it's a limited series, it's. But it's it's funny because it's stuff like when it ended, it like we were all like, oh great, this, the, like X Y and Z is gonna happen because they the series is already set up. Like this, the end of the series basically set up for something like this to happen. Oh, so really? it's not okay. it's not really surprising, but it ended so badly that I just didn't think that it was ever gonna happen. Are yeah. are you hoping that this would be their second like a second chance for them to kind of like redeem themselves yeah redeem okay (laughs) is this what you were expecting as a fan of the show um no i mean i didn't i didn't think it was going to happen because it was so bad but at least now they have a they've been given a chance to fix what happened (laughs) right okay (laughs) which is ultimately what i think is going to happen like maybe this will be the true ending of the story (laughs) right it's like oh no we never mind not that wasn't the real ending these last 10 episodes this is the real ending Dexter just took a break for a few years. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, he was you know, taking a nap or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, Ernesto, I hope it comes maybe with this new series, with the new season coming about. I might take a look. I know it's on Netflix. I, I've heard good things, like just like Nick said. Uh, I just, it's you know, definitely with, worth the watch. It's, yeah. I would say it's still definitely worth the watch. Just at least you get to go into it knowing that the ending is not is less than satisfying <laughs> yeah brace yourself is what you're saying yeah once you start getting down like the excitement might be lesser and lesser yeah um but all right so that's all the news we have for you guys this week um now we're going to move on to what you're watching and so nick since you are a guest uh we're going to ask you what have you been watching uh trial of the chicago seven recently. my first movie ever um <laughs> Uh, over quarantine, I watched um, I watched Community. Oh, I, okay. I went through all of Community for the first time. I thought that I I really really enjoyed that one, and I I know that very late to the train, but uh, that was really I really like that. I also watched the BBC's Sherlock. Oh yeah, that, Ooh, showed, yeah. that series I really liked that, I, and that was the first I'd never really gotten into any of those hour long dramas, or I, I mainly it stuck to like the traditional like 30 minute comedy Mm -hmm. um but i really really liked that i didn't i didn't love the last season last season was was rough for me but i liked because i almost feel like i I forget which forget how many seasons there are but whatever the one was right before the last one i feel like that kind of completed an arc in and of itself so i just kind of pretend like the last one didn't exist (laughs) but it i really like that that was really good and then uh, most recently I don't know. I think those are the prominent ones that I think that I liked. That came um, out? Yeah, re- there was a movie I can't remember the name of that I watched that's been out for a while on Netflix um, with Jake Johnson and Aubrey Plaza. And I can't remember what it's... Oh, Safety Not Guaranteed. Oh, that's a great movie. I thought the premise was so interesting. Like, yeah. I, thought, I thought that was that was really cool. So that one I watched recently. But I think that's I think that's about it. That's the main stuff. Uh, I want to go back to community because I was kind of late to it. Uh, I started uh, maybe like two years ago when I first got into community. I just remember that this was like uh, we started seeing early stuff from the Russo brothers. 
because they were heavily involved with the right. community. And so like their first movie was Captain America Winter Soldier for Marvel. And so but they kind of not to have their start, but they did a lot. They direct a lot of episodes of community. Um, a lot of the famous ones, too, like the uh, the paintball stuff throughout community. They were responsible for that. And so you kind of see like those remnants of that. And also you would see community characters in their films. They make cameos in the Marvel movies as well. And I liked how later on in, I think it was the last season of community. They basically um, recreated the elevator scene from winter soldier, they which did. is fine. Like it was neat that they, yeah, that they were kind of connected in that way. It was cool. Uh, but I remember loving community right as soon as I started it. Like uh, I think Chris was recommending it to me. That I, I should watch it. And then I fell in love with it, honestly, like the first episode. And a lot of shows don't do that for me. Like I'm hooked on episode one. You typically have to watch a few to get there. But yeah, for me, that was definitely like, uh, you know, oh man, this is like this. I love the first episode. Let's go from here. And then you kind of just go on that binge and it's been fun to watch it. I also watched all of New Girl. I thought that was pretty good. Oh, from start I to like finish? That. Yeah. I'd never oh, seen wow. that before. I'd seen an episode here or there, but. Um, I watched. I thought that was. I thought it was cool. I liked it. Yeah, New Girls is a great series. Uh, I was at. That's one of the few shows that I was watching like weekly, because I I kind of discovered it when it was first on at Fox, and then from there I was like, oh, this is a, this is a good one. I'm gonna watch this every week. And then uh, I lost cable, but I still had Hulu, and it was still on there, so I was still keeping up with that. Um, but yeah, I, I can't say that I've been watching a lot of shows on a weekly basis, but new girl was, and I liked the, the turns they had. I even liked when Megan Fox was on there for a little bit. I wasn't sure if I was going to like that or not, but she was really good for a replacement for Zoe, uh, Deschanel when she was out for a few episodes. So, so yeah, I really enjoyed that. Um, I'm trying to remember the other show you just mentioned. You said you watched community. What was the other show you watched? Oh, Sherlock. Sherlock. Yeah. 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 Um, I loved Sherlock. Yeah. That was another late binge for me. Um, I do agree with you that come the last season, things got a little weird. Well, they turned him into Batman a little bit. Because yeah. <laughs> they had like the detective element, but then by the end, it looked like he's fighting the Riddler, and she has like these like different <laughs> riddles, and he's like has to guess the right answer. And it, it just didn't for me. It didn't work. I'm, maybe for some people, it really they really enjoyed that, but I really liked when it was a little more grounded, and I liked the whole arc with Moriarty, and uh, I thought that was super and like the when they build up to that that scene where they're on the roof and kind of the cliffhanger there i i thought that was all really good i loved the music too i thought the music yeah. in that show was so good yeah i remember the the moriarty arc and it, it's very non-traditional to have a series that's three episodes long and they're all an hour and a half each i know that here in america that's not common but i think in in the uk that's typically common for their shows to have um but i mean if each show was an hour long i guess there would be about maybe six episodes if they stuck to that tradition um but it, it's weird that a show can be this limited and have such an impact to what you're watching it, it really shows that non-conventional viewing of you know any show whether it's three or four it doesn't matter how many episodes you have as long as you get the story and the point across like it can hit you in any way um and that's kind of what i learned from watching sherlock is like oh man only three episodes i really hope they can really tell that story because i was like i don't think they're going to be able to do that and then i'm watching this i'm like wow like boy was i wrong each episode is like a movie <laughs> yeah pretty much essentially what it is um, but yeah, I think you picked some great stuff to watch during, during the quarantine. Those are uh, three really good shows. Um, Ernesto, what have you been watching? Um, I actually don't 
have a lot, seeing as how we just uh, came off a few days ago. Um, so, Nick, this our past week we had to consume eleven and a half hours of reality TV. That was a that was our we, a whole week. We watched the whole season of Love Is Blind. Um, so that was really is that, that was is that the one with where they're in the pods. Yes. Yes, they're in. So they're in pods. Yeah, they're in the pods, and they have to create a love connection and propose to somebody. You know, our um, mutual friend Ty met. worked on that show. Really interesting. Yeah. I actually didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Oh, well, yeah. good for him. Well, we watched yeah. the show, all of it, in a weekend, <laughs> and consumed all eleven, 11 and a half. Supporting hours friends, of you guys are such good guys. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so that was interesting. We have our whole list of thoughts. That was all on last episode, but uh. Other than that, I've been watching uh, – I started picking back up Meat Eater, that kind of hunting reality TV show on Netflix. Um, I watched a few of those. Those are good to like – I'm able to like work and I can listen to it in the background. I don't necessarily have to be like glued to the TV. I can still kind of – I can passively watch I guess is what I should say. Um, and, man, I'm watching – besides Trial of the Chicago 7, I'm still watching – I've watched the penultimate episode of Lovecraft Country. On oh, HBO. Okay. Man, and uh, Nick, that's uh, Jordan Peele's new show. It is incredible. It's great. I love it. The story's great. Um, it's very similar to how they did Watchmen, where a lot of it is rooted in history, but they managed to successfully incorporate like a lot of sci-fi elements. A lot of sci-fi, a little bit of horror, but mostly like sci-fi. Uh, but it's great. I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, the main character, I think his name is Jonathan Majors. Mm-hmm. He's going to be playing. Uh, he's joining the MCU. He's going to be Kang the Conqueror. And I, you can tell his performance in this season has been phenomenal. That's all you got? Uh, yeah, that is all. Oh, I you know, a movie yeah. I was really late to that. I feel like people were much smarter and watched it a lot earlier. About Time. I watched that at the beginning of the year, like right before all this stuff went went down. I don't. Think I ever... loved that movie. That was. So, I don't know if it's still on Netflix, but if it is, I recommend anybody go check that one out. That was that was one that I, I kind of always. I, I'm a sucker for certain aesthetics, and uh, it kind of always checked those boxes. And I would hear about it, kind of recommended off of the movies that I liked previously. But right. I watched it and I kind of put it on. And it was one of those like pleasant <clears throat> surprises where you just put it on and then you end up loving it. Um, is it and, was uh, that the Rachel one? McAdams? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Really, really good movie. I think that might have been the favorite new movie that I watched, at least new to me for the year. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Definitely okay. check it out. I I don't think I the the photo looks familiar, but I you probably don't... scrolled by it a million times. That's what I did. But uh, it's very very good. Yeah. If if you guys should watch it, then I'd, we need to talk about it because I like it. All right. Well, there, All right. We'll have to do that next time you come on because I haven't burned this friendship yet. Uh, no, but so close. He's so, so close. close. <laughs> You're really working on it, Matt. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, like Ernesto said, we were watching uh, a lot of reality TV last week. And since that episode that we just did with Jacqueline and this one are close together, uh, not a lot of, you know, watching in between. But I, I mean, I, I say that, but I did finish. I did start and finish the whole series uh, in between that time. So uh, but that series, Ernesto. <laughs> is the hunting of Bly Manor? Oh, you already watched the whole second season. I watched. Oh, the- actually, season. I take that back. I did start. I it was on the other side of my notes. I did start the haunting on Bly Manor, but I'm only like two or three. I'm only like two or three episodes in. 
Oh man, that was me yesterday. And, and then I, <laughs> I watched five more. And then I watched one, the last one before we started recording. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna finish this before we record today. Um, and yeah. That's a sequel series, right? Is that? Yeah. Yes. I, I don't know really anything about, and it's horror. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, for so when, when, when we were doing Beyond the Credits, the first season come out, and I remember it's something that we, we were like, oh my, did you watch that, that one shot? That, that's that series. It was like that. Um, horror. Oh, I'm so excited. Well, Matt, what did you think of the second season? I, I will say this. I liked it. I really, really liked it. But because I just came off of Hill House, I have fresh comparisons between the two. So uh, like Ernesto was uh, was saying, Nick, I uh, Hill, Haunting on Hill House came out in 2018 and it's an anthology series. So the the first season, well, I, I, they're calling it different shows. It's like it's not under the same tab. Uh, on netflix so like this is a completely different show according to netflix but it has the same creators some of the same actors and the same like name for the most part so haunting on hill house came out two years ago i was very late to the game and the only reason why i started watching it um if you've listened to the show i'm a broken record but for nick i'm gonna explain it again um that i'm trying to get into horror this year it's not uh, a topic and not a genre that i dive into at all it's like horror doesn't do anything for me. I think some of most of it's cheap scares and like there's not a lot of story behind it. So I'm picking and choosing some of like the popular uh, horror uh, movies and TV shows that's been out throughout the years and kind of consuming myself with it for the month of October. So I decided to kick off with Haunting on Hill House and I loved it. Oh, my God. It was so good. Uh, it, it's, it's not like it's, it's the story is fantastic surrounded by creepiness and horror but no gore uh so like you have the elements of horror and a little bit creepy but the the story it has a lot of heart and like i think i was in tears by the end of it i'm like man this scary movie is making me cry like it's it's (laughs) not not, so spooky (laughs) yeah (laughs) i i signed up for spooks not tears this is ridiculous (laughs) so so, yeah, so with that, the, the second season or the, the next show under the same creators is The Haunting of Bly Manor. And uh, I couldn't wait to start it, and I did, and I watched all of it, and I really liked it. But for me, it wasn't as good as Hill House mm. for a lot of different reasons. But it, this show threw me in for a couple of loops. So, uh, Ernesto, I think you might be surprised on what's to come soon. The one thing I do see is that it's it's very the, that's similar to the first season is that it's a slow burn. It yeah. just seems like the first couple episodes they're planting a bunch of different seeds. Some of them you see, some of them you don't really notice. And I feel like like just like in the first season, probably like around episode four or five is where it's really gonna turn on you, and that's really where shit kicks off. I'm assuming. It's like you've seen it already. <laughs> but no, I don't. But I don't mean that in a bad way. Like right, I understand right, right. that that that's what's coming. But I feel like it's good. Like it's a good thing, you know. Yeah, like a good it, expectation I have. They're building up for it because with the slow burn comes a lot of story. So when you get to those moments, it holds a lot of weight. When we finally get the the twist and the turns and the big reveals and you know things they've been hiding in plain sight and stuff like that, the show what the show's already done before. But now it's you know you know we in Hill House had done it before, but now they're kind of redoing the same steps again as far as hitting you in the beats of like uh, go ahead so are you just sad is there not a 17 minute one shot for you to amaze over 
It's there's there's no seventeen. That's fine. Right. That's what it is. That's exactly <laughs> what. <it is. laughs> Technically, I wasn't I wasn't satisfied with that because honestly, I was expecting it. I was yeah. like, all right, episode six. You know, it's it's episode seven is gonna be the one shot. For the listeners like, at home, Matt Diaz hates editors. So the more <laughs> that we can just edge them out of the business, he's very anti-editing. <laughs> One shot. That's it. That's all it should be. That's all. That's all any movie should be. But this, the the one shot that they incorporate in the first season is like a technical beauty. Like just because they they in this one shot they managed to go back and forth in time based off the way that they they had to recreate and build the sets. Yeah. It's really it's really well very well done. Very well. It's done. insane. But uh, I can understand if there's nothing like you're expecting. Maybe not a one shot, but some sort of technical achievement that's like on that same level uh, yeah and for me i mean you can have a different opinion when you finish it but for me i didn't have that i didn't get that gratification but story-wise it's strong like it's a strong story there i feel oh, like yeah. some of some of the big twists that they've had in the first season i felt it was stronger um but it's not to say that this show didn't have him as well like there is a lot of things that threw me for a loop and i feel like that when you continue watching the series like i've already had to go back while i was watching the like one of the episodes i was watching i finished it and i went back to like either episode one or three and i was like did did that really happen and i missed completely what that was and then i went back and sure enough it's there in plain sight and i was like damn all right they got me again and i did that at least two or three times that's they figured out you needed glasses, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're not supposed to be fuzzy. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. Nice. Interesting. Um, but yeah, it's it's also one of those shows that it, it kind of spells everything out for you by the end of it. So like, there's not a lot of like they answer all questions that you may have. They might have a few that are lingering that like leaves up to your interpretation. But for the most part, all the big questions the you know are answered just how it is in the first season. So. Regardless, I don't want to go into because I don't want to go into it because Ernesto is still watching it. But uh, I was thoroughly enjoyed watching it from start to finish, and awesome. I finished it within like two or three days. So yeah, yeah it, it's nine episodes, so it was a quick watch for me. So I will say, Ernesto, the next show I am starting is Lovecraft Country. So I will be able to talk to you about that uh, very soon. Awesome. I'm definitely looking forward to your thoughts on that. Yeah. Uh, and basically what you said last week, uh, yeah, I can't wait to hear that as well. Um, but yeah, so that's all, all we have been watching. Now we're going to move over to our spoiler review of the week. Uh, the Aaron Sorkin, uh, he, uh, he's a, a, a – what's what's the word? Uh, a, a master with the pen or I'm uh, trying a to writer? come up with a fancy – Yeah, he's a writer. <laughs> I'm not sure what I was trying to say. I was trying to come up with more fancier words. But Aaron Sorkin... A screenwriter. Uh, there it is. <laughs> uh, Writer-director of The Trial of, of the Chicago 7 uh, is a Netflix original just came out. So, uh, Nick, what were your thoughts on the film? I liked it. I liked it more than I thought I was going to. I, I, I think I had seen maybe half of the trailer when it came out as I was, I was scrolling through something maybe. But... Um, I, I don't, initially I didn't know it was by Aaron Sorkin until I think it like popped up on the screen. I'm like, oh, that that should be interesting. And uh, I I'm, I never watched The West Wing. I've seen a couple episodes of The Newsroom a long time ago, and I watched Social Network. Mm. And um, I know he he wrote Moneyball, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I've I'd seen that one as well. So I, I I definitely liked his writing. Um, I never watched Molly's Game though. I know that was like I think that was his first writing and directing. Yeah. Job at the same time. Um, but I liked it. I thought the movie was was really good. I, unironically, loved the writing. I thought the dialogue was all um, really well written. I also, I really liked how the movie started out. Because I noticed that before the title even came on the screen, I feel like another director or writer might have made half the movie those first five minutes, maybe, or however long that was before the title came up. But they did such a good job of getting you right into the actual trial and into the story rather than showing you how each person got there, how, you know, where each person was born, you know, like that whole. And I thought they got right to the point. And it really like I was watching the first couple minutes and I was getting pretty jazzed up because I initially I was like, this kind of might sound a little boring, which might sound insensitive and it might be the, you know. I'm close to being a millennial, so it's might have been that part. But um, <laughs> I, uh, I I was really getting into it. And then the title goes on the screen, and I'm like, oh, I got a good feeling about this. And I thought that stayed consistent throughout. I think the pacing, personally, I thought was well done. And I liked how I didn't realize they were kind of holding things close to the vest, but they started revealing things as it went on. And I thought that was always strategically placed, and I thought it kept me kind of engaged. Like the moment maybe right before I would have started to – Maybe I felt like it was in like a bit of a lull. I thought it like picked right back up, and they made a good, they did a good job of like the character sort of shifted at least for me. So like while I was watching the movie, I was like, okay, I like these guys over here. These guys are definitely like maybe the annoying ones, or these are the bad. And then they kind of like they would turn it a little bit. We're like, oh, actually, maybe those guys know more what they're doing. And these guys, and I thought they did a really good job of kind of portraying each character uh, in different lights and kind of allowing you to maybe view them from different perspectives throughout the movie. I thought it was, I, all in all, I, w- I really liked it. I thought it was a lot better than I was expecting. Ernesto? Um, uh, very similar to what you think, Nick. The movie, I thought the movie was great. Like, you know, it, jump, it jumps right into the action. Um, you know, you get to see all the different groups and how they're setting up and how they're related to what's going on in the DNC. Um, in the cast of characters, what a great cast you got eddie i'm definitely gonna screw his name up redmond redmond who um he plays tolkien right he, he was in tolkien sasha baron cohen for those who don't know is borat <laughs> yes um he played which f initially i guess because i don't i didn't know who these people are in real life but he it seems like he was a perfect fit for that character who played like that um that stand-up committee stand-up comedy guy who was also ahead of the yippies uh jeremy strong who was in who's one of the lead characters in succession matt um so that that you can definitely tell his performance in that and like he brings that same level of energy to succession that he brought to this film as well so it was great to see him in that um i think i think for me the best thing was seeing that dynamic between the judge the way they wrote the judge's dialogue between him and all the defendants and just just him in general. like I feel like they really focused a lot on the judge's character and, and his interactions and his importance in, into what happened in the trial. Like I did a, he did, that actor did a great job of really portraying that. Oh, you hated that judge. He did such oh, a yeah. job. Yeah, he did a really, he did a really great job of you hating the sh- like just really hating his guts. <laughs> Yeah, Frank uh, Langelli, I believe, if I pronounced it right. Uh, or, I'm sorry, Frank Langella. 
Langella. There you go. Um, yeah, he played the judge, and yeah, you like you said, Nick. He you you love to hate him. I guess. In, I in think sense. another. I think a stand-up performance from. I really liked. Um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing the last name right, but Mark Rylance. Is that the the gentleman that played the the lawyer? Yes. Yeah, I think you're right. Seven. Mm-hmm. I I thought he did a great job, which is more like more like subtle kind of, but I think uh, I really liked his character. I thought he did a great job in that movie. I like to watch, and I thought though it almost felt like a cast for like a heist film almost, like yeah. the way they kind of shot it and like the way that it was kind of written and the dialogue was really snappy and they all had like their different kind of role and they had like and I liked how they used different um, like plot devices, like they would go to Sasha Baron Cohen kind of doing like his stand up kind of shtick and he you would get. I, I appreciated how they kind of sp- they did a good job. I thought of spreading out exposition, so like yes. you got information, but it wasn't from the same person each time. It wasn't from somebody having one conversation. It was from all these different people in different forms, and I thought that was a really creative way because it's hard when you, I think you're doing like a courtroom movie because mm-hmm. there's a lot of information you need to be kept up on, and as details are revealed, and you need to hear what those why they're significant because we all didn't pass the bar so you know so it's yeah <laughs> but they they do a really good job is showing that um is i think one of the scenes is when they're showcasing the lead up to the riot when they leave the um when they leave the park and they're marching to go bail um tom hayden out of out of um out of jail yeah. you know and then you know you hear the back and forth on different people of what's happening in the riot and then, you know, one of them is when you hear Sasha Baron Cohen, Abby Hoffman, when he's like, you know, check this shit out. And then you hear from the police officer on the stand. <laughs> and then you get a little bit from Jeremy Strong. It's like, oh, I loved her. Like, I didn't know she was undercover. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I I really enjoyed this movie. I knew with Eric, for me, I put this movie as a very high anticipation list when I found out that he was making it as well as writing it because I mean, I love the newsroom um, and I, and I really enjoyed Molly's game uh, and I really like Moneyball and social networks. Anything that he's done, I haven't dived into the West wing. I feel like that shows too smart for me because I don't think I was going to get all of it. But (laughs) other than that, um, with the newsroom, I was easily able to like connect with it, obviously. Um, But yeah, I, I, so I was really hyped up for it. Um, I watched I read something online and it said that this movie was was originally came about about uh, 13 years ago. And so it's been sitting on the shelf for a very long time. Uh, Actually, Steven Spielberg went to Aaron Sorkin and said, I want to do a movie about this trial. And obviously this is based on a true story. This was back in 2007. And so uh, so Steven Spielberg was going to direct it. And Aaron Sorkin was going to write it. Now, fast forward a couple of years later, the, tw- the 2016 election happened. And they said, Aaron, and in an interview, Aaron Sorkin said that he felt inspired to go back and revisit this film that he already basically started writing or maybe he already completed and maybe he went to go revisit it after a while. But he was inspired to, to, to go back and start working on this film. And since he was already planning on doing Molly's Game, he was like, all right, you know what? I'm just going to direct it. And the only reason why they didn't do it in the first place was because Aaron and Steven Spielberg were, uh, you know, they were busy doing other projects. So it's not like they never wanted to do it, but other things kind of gave them, you know, all right, well, we'll do it next time. And then I got another movie to do. So like they they were kind of, you know, weren't able to do it. And then since Aaron Sorkin decided to step in the director's chair, he's like, you know what? I'm going to do it now. I'm, I'm just going to direct the movie. 
And Steven Spielberg, I believe, gave him the blessing or whoever owned it was like, yeah, you can direct it. And he wrote it. So that's how we got to here today. So uh, it's been interesting that this story has been sitting somewhere for the last 13 years. Um, and we're now getting it today. And so with that, I was, you know, very excited. I think like, Ernesto, uh, sorry, uh, Nick, you were saying how the movie started. Like it did, it did feel like a, a different feel. We were getting like real life clips of what was happening around that time leading up to the trial. So the movie really focused on it being just a trial. Like we even start with, you know, them are coming into the, like everyone coming into the courtroom. We don't exactly know if you do, if you're not, if you're not familiar with the story, you don't know exactly what they did or how they got there. You just know that a trial is happening and you kind of get introduced to certain character, uh, the kind of band of characters and you know that there was an incident that happened and the first three or five minutes of the movie within the montage quickly introduced you to all the characters and where they're, you know, where they're, uh, I guess different, um, organizations they were working for and what they were trying to do when they were going to Chicago, but we didn't know exactly how it, you know, transpired. And I think what really, you know, really, you know, hit me and like, uh, Nick, you were saying that there could have been moments where it was slow, um, but because of his like, like because of his writing, his quick quips, I should say, um, like the characters were entertaining for you to move that dialogue very quick, and the, and the dialogue itself was hilarious. The some some points yeah, were they very buried funny. information you needed sometimes in just a, like a funny line, and then you'd realize like, oh, that I needed to know that for the plot. But instead of it being just kind of a dry, they they, they found really creative ways, I think, to because like just like what you're saying right off the bat. And those those quick first couple minutes, you knew kind of generally who the cast of characters you were going to be dealing with and the tone. And right. it was just like, I think the word that comes to mind is just like efficiency. Yes. Like each scene just kind of had like a purpose, but it was enjoyable. It didn't feel like it was being like shoved down your throat. Like, here's all the information you need. And then you felt like you were doing homework. You're like, right. well, I don't. But they really felt like I felt like I felt like I could sit back and I felt comfortably guided through you know, yeah. this kind of courtroom situation. I thought it was super efficient in that. Yeah. And the way that they would deliver information and like, it was just funny and quick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you, I like, I like how you say that efficiency because it did feel like that they, we were moving with a purpose. It yeah. wasn't like we were lingering too long on a scene or a specific topic. We were just like, it's almost like if you didn't catch it, you got to keep up. And that's exactly the same mentality of like the newsroom was. That's how I felt. It was like you, you're you literally people are walking from room to room and they're carrying a conversation. And you're and you're kind of like you on the couch almost feel like you need to walk up behind them. You're like, oh, OK, all right. I need to I gotta keep up. <laughs> I got to keep up with what you're saying because you're saying it very fast and I want to understand everything. Um, and so it wasn't to that degree here, but it was definitely like to, to your point, if you missed it then you missed it. You got to have to move on or go back and rewind it because like the dialogue is very quick. And even one of the, uh, I was earlier on and I wrote it down cause that was very funny, uh, that, uh, Eddie, uh, Eddie Redmond. So he played, he said, I believe Thomas. Yeah. Tom. So he played Tom and he was talking with, um, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen who plays Abby. And so Tom was explaining that we can't act like fools in the, in, in the, in the courtroom. And then, uh, you know, uh, Abby or Sasha Baron Cohen kind of cut him off and was like, did you get a haircut? As like, <laughs> did, wait, did, did you get a haircut just for the judge? And, and he's like, that's, uh, that's, I don't know. That's sorry. That this just seems kind of foreign for me. And he goes like soap and he goes zing. And it's just like <laughs> the quick back and forth that it's, it's a funny like uh, it, it's good to see those characters bounce back from one another because it just shows how fast this movie th this movie is going. And you can and even though it's it's a funny joke, 
but it just shows how the characters are interacting with one another and you can tell that they don't they're not 100% like agree on everything but by that short line kind of you know showed us that i guess i should say yeah um there was a lot of uh i was i was i was reading an article about the movie and they said that Aaron Sorkin felt like, and I, I kind of agree with him once I read it. He was saying that he was using the trials as, as a as a timeline for the movie. So it's like we didn't waste time. Use we didn't we didn't go to a flashback in the beginning of the movie. This movie wasn't told like in a linear fashion. The movie was told where the court case needed where within the court case. So like yeah, if, you got the information you needed right when you needed it. Right, yeah. exactly. So it's not like that. We were like. You know, we they zoom in on a, one of our uh, characters like they, they do like a slow zoom into their face and then we cut to like the point of action. They were like, all right, we're talking about when, you know, this event happened. And then they were showing you as they were talking about it in the courtroom, which I appreciated because it didn't feel like they were showing you a bunch of stuff at the very beginning of the movie. And like you're going to have to remember all of these details. You know, they yeah. felt like they were a lot nicer about that and just kind of giving you what you needed when you needed it. Exactly. It together. And so, honestly, where the big punches hit and, you know, and and there wasn't a lot of score in this film, but it really they really used it when they were when the riots were happening and we were kind of seeing how they were happening. And we were getting obviously the movie was leaning us toward that these people were innocent, but maybe they weren't, you know, they're like in true court fashion. We didn't know really know you know, how to feel about, you know, if they were guilty or innocent or were they wrongly accused or what, because as with any trial, we're as the viewer, we're kind of going through the process as the trial is. We're, we're almost a juror in this case of like, you know, we're not sure who we should, you know, I'm not let's say believe, but we can tell that obviously people were not doing the right thing. Um, but I feel like they did a good job of communicating intent. Yes. Or like you, 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 you felt like you knew where their hearts were at. You know, or you kind of got a good idea of like it, it didn't feel like the movie was saying like, OK, good guys, bad guys. It felt like they were saying, here's what they were trying to do. Here's, you kind of got a good idea of like where everyone was kind of coming from. Right. And I felt like that was kind of that made it interesting because then you're watching the movie and your kind of opinion. It's kind of shifting a little bit. You're like, you know, exactly. And like especially when it came to the riot scene where they were focusing on like Jeremy Strong's character, Ruben, who, you know, he he was saying that he didn't initiate the uh like i guess the beginning of the first riot and all of a sudden some and they all said like someone in the crowd said you know run up the hill and then it kind of just charges up and then it was just complete chaos after that uh and also just to see those images you know the the police brutally footage real life footage mixed in with the movie footage of basically the police brutally uh her, like well i guess beating down some of the protesters uh in that regard and to me that was very hard to watch yeah i like at that point like well first of all i think it's always it's always a good point to mix in when they can really mix in real footage with what was shot cinematically and also i feel like there was a little bit of frame matching like like they took the real life footage and it almost matched when we would cut back to the movie like if you were seeing it like you saw the real thing and then you saw that part reenacted in the movie as well. Right. Like like when you see them get hit with the best all of the like they didn't show a lot, but I also felt like just from the sounds and the little bit of blood that you got, like it was I felt like it was enough that you got the general consensus of what it was like to get beat 
by those cops. <laughs> right. And then they showed us another scene with that later on in the film with the second, you know, incident with the cops and, you know, like the other rioting that happened, uh, the other incident. And you can and I thought that was like, you know, talking about editors, Nick, beautifully edited, not a one shot. You must have hated def- that so much. I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, so many cuts. I know everyone's like, oh, we got to add a cut. And you're like, nope, you got to nope. cut it out. It's awful. <laughs> cut out That's the- going to hate it. <laughs> Uh, but I thought that scene played out beautifully because, you know, the the lawyer was going to put Tom to the stand. He's been the more. That was one uh, of my favorite scenes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like he was more cool, calm and collected person throughout this whole thing. Very level headed. Sasha Baron Cohen was more of the jokester. A lot of people didn't take him seriously, but hidden within all that, he was a smart guy. And mm-hmm. so when it, when the lawyer came about and was like, we have, you know, there's a tape of you basically inciting the riot. And, you know, this is automatically going to make you guilty when we can't bring you onto the stand. And then they decided to do a mock trial of sorts as they were showing you the scene and the music was building up. And like I was just engrossed in like what was happening. And I think that the movie did very well at like the dialogue was quick, but it was easy to understand what was happening. It's like they almost like they brought it down a level like it was quick, but they brought it to where you can understand everything that's happening. Because they could have just let that scene play out, and it would have just been like a 30-minute chunk of the movie. But instead, they did it through the lens of him doing a mock kind of interrogation. Right. You're getting all these details kind of rapid fire, but you're also getting to digest like that information that you needed, like that whole scene. And you can see it all play out. But again, like just in such a, I feel like, perfectly condensed format. Yeah, I thought that, that was, I think that was maybe my favorite scene when the lawyer was kind of showing him why he couldn't put him up on the stand. Right. Uh, I was going to say my I think my favorite but hardest scene to watch is the the final time when Bobby Seale was in when he found him in contempt of court and he had the marshals take him back. He what did he what did he say? Just do what you need to do with him. And then he's yes. saying something and you're cutting you're getting that same back and forth because then you're not watching them beat him up the whole time. No. You're getting like really big snippets like you know the chains hitting him that that punch hitting him in the stomach and like him like coming out for breath and then you finally seen him gagged like just sitting there actually um i read in a times article that in real life it was like a couple days that they left Mm -hmm. him gagged like that it wasn't immediately as it was portrayed in the film that it actually was a few days before they were before they um ungagged him and removed you know then they eventually moved for mistrial for him to be to be removed and uh, yeah, that scene was very hard to watch. And I did read the same article, Ernesto, and like, yeah, the fact that like, wait, you're telling me this was happening for days? I mean, this trial was on for months. Like, this was a very long trial. And I think the judge was honestly doing it on purpose. Of course he uh, was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, again, you just you just hate the guy. Um, but they, yeah, the, the fact that just seeing it once was good enough. And like, props to like, I guess, Foley artists to like, to make those yes. sounds together. Oh, yeah. Because, like, and uh, going back to your point, Ernesto, like, when we were, uh, you know, when we were seeing the scenes of brutality, like, we were getting just enough to get the point across. Like, they showed, you know, just one swing of the bat, a little bit of blood, and and some, like, some horrific images to to understand. If you see one, you can understand the whole picture. And the same case for... uh, When they were tying up, uh, you know, and and gagging uh, Bobby Seale, they didn't show you the whole process, 
but they showed you just enough for you to understand what was going on. And then you got to see the end result of that when he's sitting in the courtroom. And then like the, I mean, even the judge was like, all right, well now, uh, since we have you here, I'm going to ask you one more time. You can respond with the head notion of up and down or side to side. And I was like, are you kidding me right now? This is, he said, nope. (laughs) Nope. Yeah. He even said no to all that. And, uh, I mean, also give props to, um, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt for playing on the opposite side. Like he kind of came up and he's like, Hey, can we have a sidebar? Like, dude, th- what this, th- what's this happening right now? Like, like is this really happening? <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, come on, man. And even like, like the, the, the Joseph Gordon-Levitt's partner, he was like, what are you doing? Like, not, this is not the time right now, man. Like yeah. this is, like, I, don't, I don't care about Shut the up. sport right at this moment. <laughs> yeah. Like you gotta, you gotta stay quiet. You're gonna, you're judge. This is what you're gonna do because this is unacceptable. And and luckily, you know, I think even at the end credits, you know, with all the title cards of information, I don't think he ever, you know, he was proven innocent of, you know, of the murder or the accused murder of the police officer. And I don't think he was ever involved with the trial again, from my understanding, anyway. I thought I thought I remember the title card at the end saying that they ultimately found that he was not guilty. Correct. Yeah, of killing what, yeah. the cop. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So they, yeah, so yeah, he was innocent. So yeah, they, and I don't think he's ever involved with the trial again. So yeah. that, that was good that luckily there wasn't more of that that could have happened. Also uh, in that, also in that point, like when they're showing that scene, when he comes out, like they make a point to linger on you, like making you watch him be gagged for like an extended period of time. So you can like feel the uncomfortableness of him, like. Like you're literally watching him like struggle to breathe or just like survive. <laughs> right. And even all the scenes before that, he kept saying like, my lawyer is not present. Can I, can I like, what, what was the word? Can I, can I, can I, can I lower, what's the word? Can I be my own lawyer? Basically what he was yeah. asking. And for some reason he didn't want to accept uh, counts or loyal. He didn't want to have uh, uh, Mark uh, uh, Raylan's character um, like William. No, William Kunstler. Kunstler, yeah. He didn't want him to be his lawyer because he didn't want to be associated with the other seven that he was, uh, you know, the lawyer for. He wanted to be his own man, and I guess the lawyer that he had, there was something wrong, so he didn't show up. But, yeah, like, like, the judge was just putting him through the ringer for clearly no reason. Yeah. Um, it, it was even shown toward the end of the movie in the tower card that, like, 78 of the Chicago lawyers were like, yeah, this person was not fit to be a judge, was un- unqualified to be a judge for this case. Yeah. Uh, and that's just, you know, horrible to see. And obviously this was, you know, a very dark time in American history, at least from the many articles. I mean, I wasn't obviously alive during this and I was very unfamiliar with all of this that was happening during the movie. So a lot of this was new to me. Uh, but after reading articles and like, you know, comparing it to real life, they were calling it like a really dark time in American history of like these are this is like one of the, you know, the trials that should have never happened and lasted this long and stuff like that. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think for the most part, this movie, like with a lot of movies that I, you know, I enjoy that it kind of takes the base on a true story element that I, I I learned something new that I didn't know before. And with that, I can always appreciate it. And it was also told in a very entertaining way that I was able to understand it. And then I can, you know, take that and kind of put in, you know, you know, and, and you learn a few things, you know, they say you don't learn things from movies. I, and I disagree. I can learn a lot from a movie. And I feel like this is a good example of what, you know, what happened in in history. They did. A, I feel like they did a good job explaining what happened in that in that trial. 
They've made oh, you so learn you remember some that stuff, scene man. Where... <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, what did you say on that show? No, I was going to say they made you learn some stuff. Yes, they did, yes. Yeah. <laughs> what were you uh, going to say, Nick? I was just going to say that you know the scene where I can't remember the character's name or the actor's name, so I think that wins at least for today's like drawing a blank, but uh, <laughs> um, when he gets when he punches the, oh, the guard. Yes. Oh, yes. That, I felt the same way when you see Chris Pratt punch Thanos and it's that moment where you're like oh they lost it you know like that was that moment of like it had like I thought they did a good job of like yeah like oh they're kind of getting momentum oh also Michael Keaton I thought did a great job oh yeah. I did not know he was in that and then neither just, did I I was about to say that he he came a, a very surprised like cameo role for me I'm like Michael Keaton when did you come into this movie and that was like he, he kind of came in and out pretty quickly but it was a really I thought he did a great job and it was really entertaining welcome and also, cameo also like talk about a scene that packed a powerful punch there it was like hey we have this guy who is basically saying that all of these people are innocent and the judge is like we'll do this mock trial without the jury here and see i'll see how i like it and then like and he basically says it all right there and he's like i i don't see how this is relevant like what what are you i'm sorry this is 100 percent relevant and, and, and like he was like the judge was even shocked. Even the judge, I'm sorry, not the judge, the, the lawyer, even he was like, are you serious right now? Like you can tell that the, like the other guys were like, Joseph Gorlev was like, well, we just lost this one. And he's like, uh, nope, all this is, uh, not usable. I don't see how it's relevant. This is, uh, this is, uh, from different people when this decision was made. And now we're dealing with the new people and he's not, he's not with them anymore. So we don't need to revisit that. I was like, man, what? Uh, that judge was an asshole, but the the actor again they did he did a really good job of playing that person you didn't like, and so kudos to him. Uh, and then I love how the movie ended. You know the the guy that we were following this whole time again like the calm, cool, collected person was like, and he, he and it's funny because like the judge was like, all right now if you behave this one last time you're doing a really good job the whole movie, but if you behave this one last time I would you know think about reducing certain things of your sentence and okay so he's like so just to make clear if i keep it brief you know don't act out and and do everything perfectly you will reduce the sentence you're not saying that i'm innocent you're just going to reduce what it could be and he's like yeah all right i'm gonna list off five thousand names then yeah Yeah. like the end beat in a movie usually makes or breaks it for me like i i the first time i watched 500 days of summer Mm -hmm. i was really liking it and then that end moment where like that last line's delivered where the girl's name is autumn and it's like the perfect like way to end it. It just like cuts to black. I'm like, that's great. It went from like good to great in like two seconds. And right. I had the same feeling here where, and he had that character had a nice little arc, where you you kind of get the feeling like, oh maybe he doesn't have doesn't doesn't view this thing the same way, and he's kind of trying to play it a little more straight. And and then to really kind of do that gutsy move to pull the book up, and then he's like, oh brief, perfect. And it was like set up, and it, I thought it played out really well, and it was that was great. I thought that was a, such a cool way to end it. I, I thought that they uh, – I like how they kind of teased the names because – Yes, his, his, because, and I was wondering what they were going to do with that because he right. brings it up so many times throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. But, I, yeah. I agree. Yeah, totally agree. Like they they, they were inserted those scenes very well in order for you to be like, all right, you know, there, there's a purpose for these names. And if there wasn't, it was still a nice touch that the guy was like still keeping up with all the names. And, yeah, and basically – Yeah, Like, you know, he cared. Like, you know, he – he even said, like, I don't want to forget why we're doing this. 
you know, why we were protesting in the first place, because all these people were shouldn't be in Vietnam is what they were protesting against. And so, you know, the, the fact that he was listing 5000 people was was, you know, just insane. And also, uh, you know, a beautiful way to end the movie uh, of listing off, you know, listing off the names and basically them standing up for what they believe is right. And I feel like that's kind of where, you know, it ended. Um, I'll, there's a lot of talk about Oscars for this one. Do, do you guys see this movie kind of taking away, you know, just by watching it, not comparing it to anything else, but there's a lot of Oscar talk surrounding this movie. Do you see it kind of winning any awards for any certain categories? Um, I definitely see it at least being, I, I mean, I don't know what it's going to be, what it would be up against, but it, I right. would definitely say it's a, just based on the content and the character performance alone, I would say it's at least a contender for um, maybe best actor, best actress, maybe best screenplay. Just, I mean, just at least for an, at least as a nomination. Right. Not, not knowing what else it'd be up against. What, what do you think about best picture? Um, I think for me, best picture, when I hear best picture, kind of like I told you before, it's like mm-hmm. a, that's like a complete meal. Like everything needs to fall 100% into place. And plus, I don't like. I don't know what else it's being compared it's, to. I understand that. Yeah. So yeah. it's hard to like. If this is the best thing that they've got coming out, like if, like, the only thing to compare it to, just to be funny, is like like the binge on Hulu <laughs> or <laughs> Coffee and Kareem. Like yeah. like there's certain like it depends on what it's going up against. But I it's definitely in the convert. I say it's at least definitely in the conversation. Okay, Nick, what about you? I'm just excited to finally see a movie that might be nominated. <laughs> I, I've rarely, when they list, when they you know bring out the list and like these are the movies that are nominated, I'm like I'm never watching those. <laughs> I've never seen those. Uh, every once in a while, I think there was one year recently where I was like, oh, I've seen like you know four to five of those. Um, but yeah, I, I honestly have no idea. I think kind of to Ernesto's point, it kind of depends on what else comes out. Um, right. But yeah, I think I think it's good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, so that would definitely at least recommend it to people to watch. Like this is definitely people sh- people should go watch this movie. And I put the money where the mouth is because I texted my dad recommending it this morning. Oh, there you so, go. <laughs> yeah, all right. I was like, oh, you should check it out. Yeah. Ernesto, you feel the same way? Like definitely recommend. I this do. Movie. Yeah. And and I'm gonna say yes, and that's me. I don't usually go for like courtroom drama type films, but I think the way it was written, like it was just very tight like everything was just very tight like right to the point it was just nothing dragged and this movie's over two hours long so a little bit yeah yeah so that's a long time to really to hold your attention for a courtroom drama like that make you not feel like you're make you feel like you're like you're not in history class and like you're actually learning something (laughs) exactly um i 100 percent feel that this will definitely be nominated for best screenplay i mean aaron sorkin has done it in the past and i think that this script was very well written and like i mean we were talking about it all throughout uh our review here but like it was fast paced it was informative it was written in certain you know it was efficient like nick was saying so i totally think that this is a high contender if not being nominated but actually winning i don't know what i'm comparing it to but i'm like as i was watching it i was just like fully engrossed in everything and when the script is solid like that like i i can't say that for any movie i've seen this year so far and like the oscars don't or you know with the pandemic it got pushed back to april of 2021 they have up until february for like people to you know be nominated for movies so we have between now and february for other a lot of other movies to come out 
So, yeah, I think this is definitely up there as far as a high contender. And I think uh, Eddie Redman uh, is a high-acting contender, um, Sasha Baron Cohen, and even uh, Mark uh, Raylance. I think he did great as the lawyer as well. I mean, I can even see supporting role for Yaha Abdul-Mantin II for playing Bobby yep. Seale. I can definitely see that happening as well. Um, he just came off of uh, uh, winning an award at the Emmys, Ernesto, for Watchmen. He was, Watchmen. He was uh, Mr. Manhattan. Yep, he was great. He was great. He was great. Matt. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen that Nick Watchmen on HBO, but that's another great series. I've not seen that, but I've heard great things. Yeah, yeah great. <laughs> yes, uh, and it, it's definitely great. If if there's if you're looking for a show to watch, I definitely recommend. Because yeah, because you, you like you like comic book movies and stuff too, don't you, Nick? Hate them. No? I hate them. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm glad we're still on this. <laughs> oh, you're never living that down, Matt. <laughs> I know. Until I die, I mean, I'm a, I'm not gonna talk for to Nick for like another three years now, and he's like, "Hey, are you still up with those Marvel movies? Oh, I haven't been keeping up with them. I, I hate them. I hate them. <laughs> They're the worst." <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think we're basically saying the same thing. You know, definitely go out and check this out. I think you won't be disappointed. And if you're a fan of Aaron Sorkin, then I think you would like this one. Um, so yeah, but now Nick, we're gonna talk to you. You know, uh, see what you've been up to. It's been a while since we've spoken to you. Uh, and kind of just playing catch up and see what you've been doing since the last time you know we've seen you. Yeah, um, definitely not of... watching any Marvel movies. Just <laughs> <laughs> recap the last couple of years, yeah. Get <laughs> <laughs> right now. Um, I, I, so for those who don't know, uh, <laughs> Nick, you know, was uh, he was he's the host who took over for Matt. He kicked Matt out of the BTC chair. He did. I said, I'm leaving. Everyone's chagrin. I'm going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, But it was a great transition, man. I, I really, like, that's kind of where we all really met and really connected. And it, I, what an honor it was to work with you as, like, a host and just to watch you grow in that role and, like, getting together, even with YouTube, Matt, like, getting together with you guys every week to create the show, kind of making the show what we have what we have here, um, I don't know. It's just it's it's great to have you back and to kind of rekindle these conversations that we haven't had in so many years. No, the feeling is mutual. As a producer, like I felt, I probably slacked off more than I ever should have, and it's only because you were such a good producer. It's such a compliment <laughs> to, uh, uh, to kind of your work ethic. But um, no, that that that's sweet of you to say. The the feeling is is very mutual. I look fondly back. Uh, I look fondly uh, at all those memories. Like those, I look back, and it's just it's so much fun and. Uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun and getting to work together and yeah, it's kind of how we all started to get to know each other and maybe not know each other as well as I might have thought, but um, <laughs> we did get a kind of chance to connect there, <laughs> even if it was one sided. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Nick, uh, you know, I I had my you know uh, you know I think I've talked about this many times in the show. You know, you know, I did help create and start up beyond the credits. And I was sitting in the hosting chair for a while, but how did you feel when, you know, when I left and kind of like, how did you feel like, cause you were like a panelist on the show and then now you're in the, in the hosting chair. So like, what were your kind of reactions when you were starting to like, all right, now I have a different role to play in this already existing show that you kind of want to keep up. Like, so how was that experience experience kind of going in there? Cause I personally don't know how 
I mean, I, 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 I visited from time to time, but like I wasn't fully involved with everything that you guys were doing. So I, I was personally like, I'm curious of how like the process was and, um, you know, how you were, you know, that transition was for you, especially being the host. It was fun. I, I was really grateful for the opportunity, especially up, up until that point. I always wanted to be able to be more comfortable in, in front of a camera. And I always had a lot of difficulty just kind of with anxiety around that kind of arena. So I think that afforded me the, the opportunity to really uh, at least attempt to get better right, <laughs> and, and be more comfortable. And I loved, I loved the, I loved the energy of doing like a live show. Like I loved having Ernesto in my ear saying like, Oh, you're, you know, you're right on time or more. What was more common was you got to wrap that up. It was almost like a game to try and be like, you know, can I get this person to stop talking at this moment uh, and transition out? So, yeah, it was fun. It, it was, um, again, just a great part of my college experience. It was a lot of I feel like I learned a ton. I got to work with oh, a yeah. bunch of really cool people. And, you know, I like m- movies and being able to talk about movies with people who also like movies was a good time. Yeah, I totally agree. Obviously, like the the show was spawned off of people who love movies. People who came on the show love to talk about movies, and so like I feel like that half the half the staff uh, were equally behind the camera as it was in front of the camera because like they all just wanted to be involved in the conversation. And uh, Nick, you were talking about this earlier, how we used to like go to advanced screenings and we would be talking before the movie about other things. And then we would watch the movie and then we would spend like half an hour to an hour outside the theater talking about the movie we just saw. Um, Yeah, it was a good time. And, you know, it also just formed a lot of great friendships with it. Uh, I don't think the show, I mean, even before the pandemic, I believe the show is no longer happening. Uh, So it's kind of sad to see a little bit that it didn't live on. But I am happy for what it started and then kind of grew into the friendship that we've been able to build today. Have you not been getting your check every month for the reruns? Is that not? What? Have you been getting checks for the reruns? (laughs) I uh, thought this was in syndication. Did we not hit that point? <laughs> oh, oh man, I, I, they, I must be getting lost in the mail then, or maybe you signed a better contract than I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, must have been that. it must, it must have been the game show episode when we right. broke the set. <laughs> that is probably my proudest achievement I have ever done for that show was do that game show. I worked so hard on it, and we, I brought everyone in on a Saturday, which was not common. And I know a lot of people did not want to do that, but we I lived on anyway. campus. I was totally fine with it. Yeah, it yeah, yeah you were great. totally fine. Uh, I did yeah, I, on campus, <laughs> and I still. But it was fun. It was a lot of fun. It was a good experience. It was. I loved it, and like creating that show and that environment was. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you find that that game show episode, there was a lot of bumps on the road. There was. Uh, well, I think that's the show as a whole, but that's the charm yeah. of it, though. It's we're all just students <laughs> having fun. We're learning. Yeah. The, Hopefully the not upsetting our viewer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, man, this is a shit show, isn't it? <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, we all had a good time. And so then, obviously, you know, I graduated. Then I'm not sure who graduated. Ernesto, did you, when did you graduate? Did you graduate before Nick? Uh, no, I graduated after him. It was uh, spring, uh, like May of 2019. Yeah, May of 2019. Okay, okay so. So like Nick, you left, and then Ernesto, you. So like we all left at different times, and so and, and with that cool, and then Ernesto's like, oh, that's kind of neat, maybe yeah. <laughs> 
And so obviously, you know, as we all graduate, you all moved on with different parts of our life. And so, Nick, you have a very special opportunity. You now work for uh, Jimmy Kimmel over in California, which sounds very exciting. So I'm very curious of how all that happened for you. How did you get started working there? So I, along with Beyond the Credits, there was another volunteer-based show, that's, yeah. a late night show. And that's, I, I'd always, not always, not like from a baby, that would have been weird, but like in high school... I really kind of fell in love with the format of late night television and I quickly kind of, and I'd always kind of been this uh, avid fan of comedy. And then as I kind of got a little older, it specifically kind of honed into like late night kind of comedy. And uh, so I, I, I early on wanted to be a writer for late night television. And then I actually went to college with the idea of, Oh, you know what? Maybe I'll start like a student late night show for like the campus. And then I, it was already there when I got there. So it was, <laughs> I was like, this is great. So I started writing for that show and um, all just student volunteers were just, you know, learning and having fun. And then I was writer there for my entire time uh, at school. And then I, uh, I got a really great opportunity. I, I, um, it was a internship possibility. I, inter- I interviewed with a producer, I sent in an application. It was a producer for for a show uh, out here in California, and um, I got to the interview stage. I, I'd applied the year before, and I didn't get anywhere. And then the the next year, I got um, to the interview round, and I had, had to send in like a little packet and you know resume and, and cover letter and the the classics. Um, and I thought the interview went relatively well. He was very very nice, um, but I. I don't know. I, I didn't get it the year before and I thought, oh, I just even getting the interview. I know everyone says this, but it's like, oh, I, I thought that's kind of where it would end. And right. I was just super grateful to have even gotten that opportunity. But the interview itself kind of took a turn towards because he had asked kind of where my passions lie, where like the goal was ultimately. And I was just really honest. I Late night comedy, I want to be a writer. And then um, I kind of showed him some of the stuff I was doing for the show and I think I'm not I wasn't inside his head so I don't know like exactly what it was but I would guess that he kind of liked the idea that it wasn't mandatory like it was like clearly there must have been some sort of passion there because it was all Mm -hmm. voluntarily done Mm -hmm. Um, and I told him how I was you know doing stand-up in Orlando and trying to you know really get in so we talked about late night comedy for like 40 minutes or something wow and um and then, you know, he again, super, super nice guy and uh, dangerously nice to the point where you don't know how the interview's going. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I, I thought it went well. And then like a month later, I got a call saying I didn't get that internship. Um, but he said that he had a connection at, at Jimmy Kimmel Live and he was going to pass my stuff along because I had sent him like a packet, essentially, of like some of the stuff I had written for the show and just some like samples and, and stuff. And he seemed to have liked it, I guess, enough to pass it along. And then, um, and then I got a call like a couple weeks after that, saying, um, and I'm very grateful because I, I know this is not a necessarily a common experience. But I was I graduated on a Friday, and then I got that call on that Monday. Wow, uh, nice. So I was in beyond ecstatic because to work specifically in the exact genre that I wanted to work in was just it felt very surreal. I I couldn't like I couldn't pinch myself enough, you know, just I was, I was <laughs> yeah. terrified that I was going to wake up and it was a dream. 
but yeah, so that's that's how it kind of came to be. So I got that opportunity there, and it started out as a temporary position, and then I just tried to hustle hard enough so they would feel guilty if they let me go. Right. <laughs> and then they and, hired me full time. Uh, and that's that's crazy because you know it it, it I, that that story is a perfect way of just like you just don't know where life is going, and also things happen at the time it's supposed to happen like obviously you sent in an application for an internship let alone that you didn't know that that for some that he liked you so much the person who was interviewing you he's like you know what he doesn't fit well possibly for the internship that we want him for but i have this certain connection we're going to send it over this way and he didn't have to do that like so you must oh yeah it was i was kind of overwhelmed with that act of kindness because right. again like he did and he was really nice because he had said like i'm going to give it but he had even um he was very generous because he he had said like and if it doesn't work out there like i'll try and find some, you know so he was very oh. nice and uh um very very generous and i i really thought when he had that first call i thought for sure he was just being kind of nice and he was just saying right. like oh well, i might you know and just kind of trying to uh, I genuinely did not think anything would come of it. He said he had a connection there, and I was like, "Oh, that that's cool." And and he was like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll see what I can do." And I thought it was more of a pleasantry, just like, "Hey, we'll see what what can happen." Exactly. So then when it actually went through, I was yeah, it was very very excited. And I I think um, it it felt good too because I, at a certain point you're kind of like when you're doing things based off of just because you like it sometimes you have those moments where you're like questioning, like, am I crazy for doing all this stuff and no one's watching, you know, like you, right. you're doing all that, like you're working on the late night show. It's, you know, we, I think maybe our parents were watching, you know, occasionally, yeah. probably yeah. not even, they probably just like scrubbed through it and they're like, yeah, yeah, it's doing great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but so, you know, you're putting all this time and energy into something that, you know, you really eventually want to do on like a pro level. Sure. Um, so it was, it was, I, I would like to think, I would, I would like to think it was that, but who, you know, who knows, but, um, yeah, I think that that was a good reminder for me to be like, you never know what's going to, you know, like if you if you're doing what you really like doing, it, it's it's definitely not for not because worst case scenario is, oh, no, you love what you do, you know, right, so. exactly. Like, like if you if you did what you love to do for the wrong intentions, like, you know, if we were at, if we were doing beyond the credits because we wanted to, like, you know, make money off of it, then I, I feel like we're doing it for the wrong reasons. We're yeah, not doing right. it for money. We're doing it for the passion of loving movies. The same with this podcast. Like, I mean, we're not doing this for money at all. <laughs> I mean, we, no. we would love to make money off of it. But if, if that's where that's if that's where the root of this podcast was from, we would never we would never get anywhere. It's a, in my opinion, like it, because our goal would be to try to get a financial gain and then we'll just be frustrated because we're not getting it the way we want to. But with but since we're doing it out of just passion for movies and then, you know, even, you know, having you on, we know we know you love movies. And so, like, we're just trying to get a whole bunch of people together to talk about movies. That's, that's essentially what we're doing. Yeah. And also, you know, when we know that people are, you know, we also we are generally curious about what each person is doing in their lives and somehow related to maybe the industry or maybe even not. Um, we've interviewed many people here that that uh that teachers <laughs> teachers like had different backgrounds and like it I, if anything you know just thinking out loud like it just showcases that anybody can love movies 
doesn't matter what your profession is. And we get a glimpse into their world of what their profession is. But also the through line is like, I also love watching content on TV and in theaters and stuff like that. And that's the main thing for the show. But again, if we were doing it for a financial gain, then we wouldn't get anywhere. Like this would not be, we'd be doing it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. I'm I'm consistently like concerned that they're going to find out I would do it for free. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because I'm I'm worried that, because I, and, like I, I again to be like to have the opportunity to be like a production assistant on a show that you know I watched and studied and and directly referenced in our writers meetings at co- in college to be like we got I want to make something like this like this is this is cool like or we're trying to dissect it you know mm-hmm. um and yeah so I'm I'm really worried that one day they're gonna be like oh we heard that you really like it so we're just gonna stop paying you because you'll be here anyway so. <laughs> We figured you out. <laughs> yeah. I almost have to pretend to be like, ah, any yeah. other genre than this. Yeah, I know. <laughs> don't don't act don't like like act too like not not too cool, but just cool enough, you know. Right, yeah. <laughs> Ernesto, you were gonna say something? Um well no, I was just gonna just to your point, Matt, that it's like the passion has to be there. Like, you right. know, we and I think it, we wouldn't we wouldn't still be doing it if the passion wasn't there because it, it would come off as like like not authentic mm-hmm. you know you like you'd almost like you're trying too hard exactly um but but yeah so i'm glad to hear nick that you know you were able to you know the the luck kind of found you and kind of direct you toward you know your passion where you want it to be so if you if you mind explaining to us what what do you actually do there so, so i'm a production assistant and it's kind of it's i mean the description would be kind of the title you assist the production Right. So it's um it's kind of various like tasks just throughout the day to just make sure that the office side of things are running smoothly and then you know you're supporting any department that kind of needs things um so it's kind of it it varies like you have your, like your your daily tasks you know right. like your schedule kind of and it that's all pre-covid though like it's all drastically shifted but um it's uh and then what was fun though is you would have spontaneous kind of things that would pop up each day. So you had like your normal routine. So at least you kind of knew generally what you'd be doing. And then um, there would just be kind of random things that pop up like, hey, we need this thing over here. You need to go grab it and bring it to this person and then help you know, do this thing. And you get to work closely with each kind of department. So it's a great learning experience. Like right. the kind of my perspective on it is it's like the ultimate paid internship. Um, it's 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 just a a really great opportunity to talk to people from each little department and you'll get assigned like different little projects like oh you got to go help you know this team out over here and you get a good great taste of how that department works and you know the inner workings of how they contribute to the show and so i know that like i've i have friends that um i've like, i've heard heard horror stories from other sets and different environments and i'm very grateful that i can't relate to that again my experience is kind of limited from the uh, like I've, I haven't worked on a ton of sets like to this scale, but um, everyone's just been been super open and super great and um, uh, really open-minded when it comes to just kind of teaching rather than just assuming that somebody's gonna walk in kind of knowing everything. And the work environment's just been really really nice. Um, so again, I'm super grateful because I've heard things from different places and um, I kind of went in with that assumption of like, okay, I'm really ready to buckle down and right. this is, this is Hollywood. This is okay. It's going to be tough and people are gritty and it's going to be, um, 
like uh, a, a little hard and I heard I heard all those stereotypes of like oh everyone's fake and everyone's just trying to get things out of you and I definitely went in possibly naively with just kind of that assumption and I was very pleasantly surprised I've, I've heard from other people that that's not always the case so like I'm again grateful to have landed where I did but um, yeah all the different departments it's been really interesting to kind of learn the different aspects of and it's been really fun especially after working on a college version of a late night show because right. all we're trying to do is replicate you know the big leagues um mm. and to see in some areas how close we were like it's so fun to like i'll, I'll consistently call up um the other matt matt regal yeah and because uh, we wrote together a ton and it would be fun to i'll, I'll text him like oh we were so close we like we, we did it like you know <laughs> like, like or like we, we got that right like because we were trying to break down like how would they structure something or like what's right. the pro- what's the process between you know uh creating a bit and integrating it into the show or like segments and how do you you know structure those and questions and pre-interviews and um so it's been really fun to like learn and, and kind of see that comparatively to what we were just trying to reverse engineer back at school yeah i bet i bet that was a good like like uh, confirmation for yourself of like all right you know we weren't that far off from the college level to compare it to the professional level I mean, like, compared, like, clearly leagues away. Like, right, very right. Different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, but, you guys feel the same emotions, yeah. Yeah, it, it's really, yeah. it's fun to know, because, like, I would definitely beat myself up all the time, where I'm like, oh, I, I wish, like, it's just, it's not at the same level that they're at, you know, and you kind of forget that it's like, okay, well, they got, you know, clearly a bigger budget, they have much more experience, yada, yada, but um, it's been really neat to see, you know, the human side of things, where it's like, oh, that, it didn't go exactly as planned, and they adapted, kind of like what we had to do. Um, so that's been, because I, again, kind of naively just assumed like, oh man, our, our guest dropped out last minute, you know, in college. And it's like, oh, that, that would never happen on, you know, <laughs> yeah. but it's, so it's fun to see kind of the, it's just, a, a, again, like obviously a bigger version, but it's, it's neat to see how connected it is in the process. So that's been cool. It's just been a, a really fun learning opportunity really, you know, uh, what would you say is one of the, like the the biggest surprises you got like when you you know got in day one it, it almost feels like that you're saying that you know the misconceptions that you were getting with uh you know you know watch out for hollywood people can be brutal but it looks like you were having a pleasure uh a nice you know pleasant experience working through but you know uh, maybe aside from that but like any other like surprises that you expected when you were walking in they're like oh i didn't expect this to happen or this to be this way when you started that working there um, I, I, I honestly, I think that was the biggest surprise. I was really bracing myself for it to be like, for whatever reason, this, this one dimensional sort of feel of like, oh, it's like this, this unit. And I, I felt like I was very insecure about being like this outsider. Um, uh, especially I, I had never, I, you know, we went to school in Florida. I had never been West of the East coast. Right. So it was all very foreign to me. So I was kind of like, there was a little level of intimidation. I mean, mostly excitement. Cause again, this is like dream come true this is like a show that's in like this is exactly what i watched and wanted to right. work on um so to be able to like interact with the people i'm like oh my goodness i listened to a podcast that you were on talking about writing that i you know want so that was that was really cool so that kind of helped level out the intimidation factor but the biggest surprise i think was just i, I just kind of was dumb and re- not remembering or realizing that oh they're people like it's just like you know they're they're just you know they're nice to hang out they're they're just cool people and they're it's it's run by people it's not like this one entity that you know right. like the scary hollywood machine yeah. <laughs> um so that was just it was a really pleasant surprise too um and I, I can only speak to like my experience and it's right. been 
you know, it, it's been a positive one for the most part. So that was a big surprise to just know that, like, oh, because you start breaking it down and you start seeing it. Like, because initially when I first got there, it was it went from just being this one show, and then it was like, oh, these different departments, which you know exist, especially right, in exactly. school. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then you're like, oh, then there's faces, and then those departments kind of get broken up into like, oh, those are different people. And then, you know, oh, those are who these different people are, and that's kind of what they're like. And so it just, it became more and more, um, I guess, accessible and uh, just kind of fun to to learn, which I keep saying, but it's true. Right. I can't hit home right, right. Like, yeah, yeah. hard enough, yeah. Uh, where was there a, a shock value as far as well, yeah, a shock value, but like, uh, where because you mentioned that you were you moved from you were in Florida and then you moved to California, you hadn't been out west before. So, like, was the transition at least moving from coast to coast literally within uh, maybe a couple of you know from the moment you knew you were moving out there? Like, was that like a, a, a big adjustment for you living here in Florida and then moving over to the west coast to California? Yes and no. I, I feel, again, like I, I feel like I sound like a brat, but I, I'm grateful that like I, I went out there. I had a, a temporary job lined up. It was just a temporary like, kind of position that you know I interviewed, and they were like, okay, we'll give you like, a couple months. Um, and uh, and it was. It, it was weird because, again, having never been out there, um, and I, I went out there, and I had, um, I had an uncle and aunt out here. That was my kind of only real oh, okay. connection out here. Um, and so I would, they were, they graciously let me kind of stay with them for a little bit. But again, it was, it was motivated really by getting this, this like dream job experience. Right, right, right. So that kind of helped level things out. So I think otherwise there would have been a lot more, uh, there would have been a lot more mountains I feel like to climb mentally, but yeah. it was kind of like, Oh, the end goal is like, I just got to get there. I got to get into the building. I got to meet the people. I got to start working. Right. So like everything sort of was just aligned to serve that. So I didn't necessarily have as much time to get all anxious and think about it because I, I found out in December and then I flew out in February. So I had a month to kind of get things in. OK, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Time. yeah. Um, so earlier in, in the in the sh- in the in, in the show, we were talking about, you know, our passions and, you know, we're doing it because we love to do it. Um, so obviously, I remember when you we when you were over in Tonight's Tonight and I remember Matt Regal, you guys were like two peas in a pod there working on different sketches. And the one I remember the most is uh, the spoof off of uh, Jerry Seinfeld's comedy in cars, uh, comedies and comedians, comedians in, in cars getting coffee. Oh, you speaking of what are we watching lately? I'll rewatch that whenever I need like a nice little warm <laughs> feeling. I just, it's yeah. such a, I, I love it. Yeah. I rewatch that show all the time whenever I need a little pick me up. <laughs> but what did uh, you call yours? It was, um, it was acquaintances getting appetizers. Somewhere. Oh, it was, right. uh, it was, I have to pretend like I don't know it off the top of my head. Otherwise, it sounds lame. But uh, if I just spit it out right away, like, oh, it was amateur actors. It, it was amateur actors acquiring appetizers. That's it. That's that's yeah. the one. Uh, but you made like stuff like that. And they were really funny. So uh, I guess the, the question I asked for you, are, I know, it, it, are you still maybe like doing that on the side? Are you still writing? Because I know a lot of the stuff that you did on for, for Tonight's Tonight was really funny and some really good content. Uh, okay. So like. Are you are you still writing? I guess that's my first question. Yeah, I when I when I first came out here, I kind of gave myself a little bit of, and I'm sure it's an invalid excuse, but there was so much new, and I wanted to make sure that I was focusing on this job because again, it was a temporary position. I was hoping that maybe it could transition into something full time. Of course. Um, so I was like, I I that really took priority. But in the background, I for well before that too, um, our mutual friend Ty. Um, we were writing together a ton. We wrote um, right after he graduated. He graduated a semester before I did. 
Um, so right when he graduated, we started writing a feature film. So we worked on that and we worked, we were writing that kind of in the background for the last like two years. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, I always had that, which is always a really nice, I, I feel like I would highly recommend if you're like pursuing anything creative to have something else also going on in the background. Cause it always helped whenever I felt like really depressed and like, Oh, I'm doing nothing. I can right. always remind myself like, Oh, there's always, a, there's this collaborative thing I'm doing in the background. So like I'm doing something. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I so I've been working on that with him, and we're working a couple different um, other projects, um, like as far as like features are concerned. But then I I try to write, um, like late night esque, you know, not not half as often as I probably should, but definitely in the last couple of months I've been getting a little better at getting back into, because before moving out here I was trying to do stand up more and more in, in Orlando and um, writing, you know, for the, the college show that we worked on. Uh, so there was like a little break there, but yeah, now I'm, I've been writing kind of packets and uh, trying to just get better, you know, because that's it's one of those things that you only get better the more you do it. So right. So I'm trying with... to get to the point where I can be prepared enough so if the opportunity ever arose, I won't just be like, oh, I guess I just start writing now. Yeah. Right. Exactly. 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 You want to stay current for for yourself. Right. And what. Once things open back up, are you going to – you mentioned stand-up. Are you going to pursue uh, stand-up out there? I, I I did one open mic out here before oh. um, it all went down, and um, I, I would like to the, – the thing for me is that I, I feel like I might – and it sounds so lame, I'm sure, but I don't <laughs> love the vibe of – like I'm not a huge like comedy club fan. Like they're like okay. I, I don't love like the smell and I don't like being late up late at night and it's like <laughs> and I know it sounds like somebody's not willing to pay his dues which I will and I I like I like going I love the stand up part I love when you're up there and in my case shaking and terrified but you know it's like you feel like a part of this club that you get to watch and and admire growing up but uh, so yeah I, I like doing it and every every couple months I get that kind of itch to like I gotta try because it's such an immediate you can write something down and try it immediately you don't have to worry about shooting it editing it. And then upload, you know, you just right. write it down. I, mm. I love that kind of streamlined, um, like from your head to their ears. But uh, yeah, so I, I would like to to try it and kind of keep at it. But I've kind of I've become comfortable with the idea of like I'm, I don't think I'm ever going to be that regular guy where that's the primary mm. thing going in it because I just it's not really necessarily my scene per se. Um, just like it's like the stereotypical thing that kind of follows, which sounds and not not it sounds uppity, but it, like I just mean like it's like late. I like going to bed a little earlier. I like <laughs> you know it. Um, yeah, it's it's usually dark and like tight, and it's all. It's not. I don't know. I've never been. It's not really for me, but I do like the process of you know stand up and everything. So I, and I enjoy writing a lot. So I think I'm I'm leaning more towards writing. But now, of course, now that it's taken away, I'm also kind of a mismatcher. So the second I can't do it, now I'm like, oh, all I want to do is get out there and do open mics. So. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, but it sounds like that. I'm obviously like you want to. It, it sounds like you want to keep all options open. Like you want to dabble here, you want to dabble there. And, and I want to get good. So I, yeah, I, I would yeah. say that yeah, I, I want to do it now probably because I feel like this is the stage of life where I probably should. Like it's only going to get harder. So. Um, yeah, I, I I can definitely I can stop being a baby and suck it up and try and get good for once. And, you know, like that oh, smells weird in here. I don't like it. Yeah. 
Um, what what inspires you to write comedy? Like, is it you know, is it certain things that happen during the day, or uh, you know, just the things, the random thoughts come in your head and you start writing it down? Like, not 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 to reveal your process, but kind of what inspires you? Oh well, even if somebody found out my pro, it's not going to help them. I'm not successful. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to get yeah. So, uh, you mean like right now, like what what the process is now? Yeah, sure, sure. Or, or even even then, you know, when you were writing, you know, or what either what you're writing now or what you're writing, you know, for tonight's tonight, whatever, like what inspired you to, I mean, to, to write, you know, certain certain comedy sketches or even your comedy work now. Or just why comedy in general. Or yeah, why comedy in general, yeah, even that. Um well I just I grew up again loving comedy. I always looked up to the people that could make people laugh. Like it just it, it was like magic tricks to me. Like I just loved it so much and I always thought those were like the the coolest people. Like if you could make some, somebody else laugh, I was always like, oh, that's so, that's, that's, I don't know. There's just something about it that I was really attracted to. But like, as far as like what it, like for me, it's like to an obsessive extent, probably to like a healthy extent. It's, I'm just always thinking of like, okay, well, what's funny about that? What's funny about this? What's funny about like, that's how I'm like constantly like, and I'm sure it's annoying to some people. Cause like, I'm, you know, I, I tried to be present in conversations, but I, there's definitely times where I've noticed that like trying a little too hard it's a little insensitive trying to be you know just constantly going for like a joke but um it makes it sound like i'm not a real person i can't i can i can play it real but um i just feel like that's how i like whenever i'm like looking at things or just like i'm driving in the car i'm just kind of always find myself thinking of like oh that'd be funny or oh, that's funny over there that's funny that that happened that way or like oh i wonder if it'd be funny if this happened or you're just kind of modifying things like why is that funny there's something funny here what, what is it and and mm-hmm. um just kind of like constantly thinking funny and then hopefully one of those things rolls into something that's actually funny and then that just continues to be funny until it's seen or heard by somebody right uh we're i guess we're uh, within either writing or uh even continuing your work uh with late night or even with stand-up comedy like within the next couple of years like, would you just like to see any one of those just continue to grow? Or there's, are there a certain goal you have in your mind of, like, say, say, like, five years from now of, like, what your your next step you would like to take? Um, I would love to be a late-night writer. That's kind of been the goal. And, I, I, again, it makes me sound maybe lame or old, but on, on top of just loving that format as a whole, also great hours. Like, usually it's nine to five you're not up super late i mean you know you're writing but i don't mind being up late at night you know at home mm-hmm. but um again because i love movies but i'm really not into like the 2 a.m call times and you know like and i know no one really like loves it probably but right. uh um yeah so i the goal would be like if i could be a writer um in in the world of late night comedy that would be Super cool, ridiculous, too cool. It'd be ridiculously, <laughs> <Too cool>. yeah. <laughs> um, based on your experience, if you have any words of advice for anybody who's either either trying to, you know, go out in Hollywood or even uh, trying to maybe be in stand-up comedy, I know the times are tough right now, but you know, people are still doing it, and and so like, or even they're trying to be a better writer. Anything that you can, any advice you can give to them of like, you you know, this is what you need to do to try to like better yourself. Um, so I can't give advice on standup cause I'm not good at it yet, but, um, I, as far as like the industry's concerned, again, like I, uh, I feel like I was very fortunate and I got an opportunity and I think that, and not to discredit myself, like I definitely worked hard to like, and I feel like the, that work paid off when that opportunity was provided. Like, I don't know if it would have worked out if 
I hadn't done all that stuff voluntarily and you know, right. and such. So I would say like I, I feel like the thing that's helped serve me um, best is uh, just kind of doing it. You know, maybe maybe even before someone's asking you to. Um, I think that's been really, and which is I know common advice, but something at work that I've I've noticed, and I just kind of I boiled it down to one example in my brain, is there was like this little snack basket where people could grab snacks, and I just you know, partially just the OCD part of my brain organized it so it looked nice, and then that got you know some attention and people were like oh this guy he cares, so like if you take times to like focus on the the fruit basket you know, and you just you do go the extra step. Right. I think that I think that works. I think because um, I know it's it's discouraging sometimes when it feels like it's like this club you have to break into because it's like all everyone you hear like oh it's all who you know, and right. to, to a certain extent like that's definitely derived from some form of truth, but I think in reality it's like and I actually a big lesson I learned at um, at college when we were working on all these shows was it's because I used to think like oh that's so unfair like that's like it's that it's all who you know it's not based on you know merit but in reality like you want who you can trust and I've mm. learned that lesson at you know working on those student shows where it's like oh if you knew somebody and that person knew somebody that they could vouch for him and they're like this guy's super solid that's the guy I want to go with because this is a right. bit that I poured all my time into I want to make sure the camera guy remembers to take the lens off so it's so i think it's a lot of that so i think it's it's a combination too because i think if you work really hard and you are consistently you know trying to improve yourself you kind of naturally meet the people that you do need to know um and it just sort of people kind of present you know at the time again this is coming from a the opposite of an expert but no 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 i mean oh no it makes a lot of sense it's all definitely does because people will notice the minor details in your work ethic, like, oh, he took the time to do this. Like, all right, well, he's somebody who pays attention to details. That's somebody yeah, and who I, I And I'm a big Steve Martin fan, and he says a lot where he's like, people come up to him, and they're like, how do I get an agent? How do I you know, do all these things? And he's like, well, shouldn't you be worried about getting good first? Like, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's the thing. So that I really took that to heart, where it's like trying to – and I, I, this is something I also fail at on the daily, where it's like I definitely have my days where it's like I'm not as pumped up. I'm not probably as proactive as I should be. Sure. But I think ultimately the thing to strive for is to be that person that goes that extra step. And I think that does you know, set you apart. You know, I think something I hear people complain about the industry is that it's so competitive. But I think one of the good things about it being so competitive is it really forces you not to get kind of comfortable and slack off. Because you get yep. that quick reminder, oh, there's a big line of people right behind me that can do exactly what I'm doing. Absolutely. Um, so I, I think it's just taking the time to – this is something I'm trying to work on because it does not come naturally to me because I just sort of accept the reality that's in front of me. But to right. look at something and see how can I improve that, how can I help, how can I be you know, proactive while also balancing, like not overstepping, that's right. huge. I, an advice a camera guy gave me when I was interning in – at a place in Florida because he's like at the end of the day like somebody wants they want somebody that's obviously smart but really they want somebody that's competent and like you know they can work well with so if you can be somebody that's like pleasant and you know an enjoyable person to be around and you're good at what you do that's a pretty big combination yeah and I really like what you said like you want somebody that you can trust it's like a lot of people can do the work but to do it with with care and like trust that they can 
yeah, anybody could do the work, but can you get the basically can you get the job done? Can you see it through? Can you do it with care? Can you do it with efficiency and like kind of checking all those boxes? But but yeah, I, I really like that advice. I think that's, that's some good advice you, you were giving there. Um, and then with that, we have one more question to ask you. What? Yeah, I think I, I feel like we may already know the answer, but we I'm might curious. know the answer. <laughs> what is your favorite movie? I I think I don't know if I keep saying it just because it's what I used to say all the time. I think it might. I think it's still probably the Truman Show. Yay! We wrote it. Know me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we wrote it. I go. I'm pretty sure that this is his favorite movie. Only reason I remember that is you created that. Um, you did like a short video kind of oh, when you yeah, went to go yeah. visit the town. I thought which was really well done. I thought it was oh, really thanks. well put together. Uh, yeah, yeah you, I, I love that. Can movie. you explain that? Can you explain what you did? You why? visited. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh. yeah. Why is that your favorite movie? And then also, uh, you went to the the oh, town. We were shot at. It was shot. Yeah, at. I, I yeah. found out that they shot it at a town in Florida, and I was like, oh, guess where I'm going? Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that was that was really fun just to be able to go because again, that was one of the first times having grown up loving movies where you get to see like, oh, and it happens a lot now in California. I'm a big actually. Um, friend of the show Gia, um, we bonded uh, early on over um, our love of like Father of the Bride. One of the first oh. things I did when I came out to LA was I drove right by that house. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, yeah great, but yeah. So I, I just went to the town where they shot that in Florida, and I love I love that movie because um, that movie had been talked up a lot by my dad. Like my before I was allowed to watch certain movies, I would be kind of told about these movies. And then when mm. I would get to watch them, and that was just it lived. I, I love the concept. I think the acting is incredible. I love the music. I listen to that soundtrack a lot, um, uh, or the score. And um, it's just it's just one of those movies for me that just fires on all cylinders. I just I love the story. I love the the aesthetics is always really big for me. Like I love the visuals. I love how they design the town. I like how the story kind of unravels and. It's just for me. It just it kind of hits on every point, and I just it's kind of just stuck with me. I think about that movie a lot, so that that to me I think is probably my favorite movie. I I well I did not know this. I again we kind of wrote down that we believe this was your favorite movie, but I didn't realize it it came from your dad. So that I uh I, I think that's a really nice story to to have because at least for me I I kind of growing up with movies was my own thing. Like I wasn't recommended certain titles or anything, you know. I I did have uh, a small connection with my mother who used to take me out of school early on Friday so we can go to the movies. Oh, but nice. she but she wasn't really the one that was recommending things for me to watch. So mm-hmm. like it was for me most of my movie watching was self discovery, um, and like you know, picking the things that I like and kind of running with it. Like well, why did I like about this? But um, I, I think it's nice that your dad was kind of giving you recommendations of like, this is the movie you need to see. And that is the one that sticks throughout all these years. And I, I feel like it also worked with like, that was one of the first where, cause it's shot in kind of a unique way. Like it you're is. very aware of the cameras, you mm-hmm. know, and that was always, I thought really creative. And I feel like I related a lot to the main character, especially at the time I, I grew up, I was homeschooled and I was also a very overly dramatic person. So I was like, Oh, I feel like I'm in my own little bubble. And you know, like, oh, I can't, you know, I can't, um, I uh, know, very grateful, uh, but, uh, it's, uh, yeah, I, I, that, that movie just really resonates with me. And uh, it's one of those movies that I can always put on and I, cause some don't, 
age well with you i feel like sometimes i'll revisit something and i'm like oh it wasn't as good as i remember maybe right. i just connected with it at the time but that one each time i put it on i just it, it just works for me i just like it it's awesome and that's kind of yeah i really like the point that your dad recommended it to you because that makes me think about like my boys because i always tell them like oh when you guys get old enough like you know I'm gonna, i can't wait to show you guys this movie so i wonder like how many little seeds i've already planted in their heads of like movies that we get to watch together as they get older oh it sometimes backfires too there's been movies that have been hooked <laughs> up and, and I'm like, oh dad what do you know but I, my dad really has great taste in movies and that was always so fun for me being able to finally like, and my mom used to tell like the bedtime stories i would get but sometimes i would later find out i'm like that's the plot of the last crusade <laughs> so that, that would happen a couple times where like she would tell me something and then i would watch something i'm like man they really ripped off my mom like that was uh, <laughs> but yeah so i kind of grew up liking these storylines so they kind of got built up with anticipation almost like this the equivalent now to when like you see a trailer and you're like oh, i can't wait for this movie to come out it's kind of a similar thing. I'd be told, like, or, or my dad would sometimes show me scenes of a movie that were like, because, you know, the whole thing might not have been appropriate for me at the age, yeah. but he would show me these moments. I'm like, I can't wait until I'm cool enough to watch the whole thing. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, that was that was fun. And that was just one of the, and the Truman Show happened to be a movie that, you know, was from him. And then I just, I loved it. Like, it was great. And we have a similar taste, so it, it often right. lines up. So. Well, Nick, thank you again for joining us today. Uh, I know there was Thank a long time. Thank you for finally coming. having me. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and you know what? Hopefully it won't take another 48 episodes to bring you back on the show. Hopefully from, I guess now I need to, I, hopefully I redeem myself from the, from the running jokes of this entire episode. But, but uh, we would love to have you back on and discuss more movies because, you know, I feel like if there's anything this podcast has done for us, has been able to reconnect with a lot of our BTC family. And uh, I'm glad you're able to come on the show and hopefully we can have you back on for more and continue these conversations like we have been for the last couple of years. Maybe yeah, for a Marvel think... movie. Maybe for a Marvel movie, yes. And I'm not the best of patience, but I will wait another 48 episodes if that's what it takes. <laughs> I love talking to you guys. I don't think it'll be that long. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but Nick, thank you again for coming on the show. We really do appreciate it. Um, if you want more from us, you can always go over to our Instagram page at box office underscore bingers. You're going to get all of the mo- like, or you're going to get all the fresh takes. You got all the latest binges, new to streaming every Friday. Movie showdown Mondays is our biggest hit. So if you, if, if you don't even go on for the rest of the week, go on Monday. Because that's, you're going to get everything on Monday. Wednesdays, we'll recognize the music behind the movie. It's all there on our Instagram page at boxoffice underscore bingers. You're going to have a fun time in this world of entertainment that we've built up. I, I guarantee it. You can uh, also hit us up on our email in case you yes. guys want to reach out to us at boxofficebingers at gmail.com. Of they course. don't always answer your requests. Uh, I can speak <laughs> from experience. But, uh... <laughs> oh, is that the one we kept deleting? Oh, I'm so sorry. I thought that was the one. That may have been the one that was in the junk folder. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. It's coming in a spam. We have to yeah. get a different email address for that then. <laughs> uh, but Nick, again, thank you for coming on the show. We can't wait to have you back on. Uh, and for that, I've been your host, Matt Diaz. I've been Ernesto Santos. See ya.